This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Geico presents Daily Affirmations. Repeat after me. Our thoughts are like the ocean. Our thoughts are like the ocean. Our thoughts create our reality. Our thoughts create our reality. We're thinking Geico offers claim service 24-7 with personalized attention from an assigned team. Geico offers claim service? Um, I I wasn't thinking that. We think it and it becomes our reality. So, uh, what about washboard abs? Let's give it a go. Think really hard. Okay, abs, abs, abs. Yep, keep thinking. To manifest more Geico in your life, go to geico.com. This podcast is proudly in association with Pitch Sport Football, the app that allows you to interact with other West Ham fans, pick your starting eleven, and participate in fan time videos. This app is absolutely free, so like I've done, like X has done, and like thousands of other West Ham fans have done, get this downloaded if you haven't already. That's Pitch Sport Football. You're listening to the West Ham Way podcast with Dave and X. Oi, oi. Good evening and welcome to the West Ham Way podcast with myself, Dave Walker, and serial YTK blogger, XWHU employee. The season has come to an end with West Ham finishing in 16th place. Tonight, myself and X will be running through the nominations for the official, unofficial West Ham Way end of season awards, where you get to choose the winners. Talking of winners, we will also be revealing the final top five of the West Ham Way Premier League predictions competition. And now that the transfer window is open, there is only one man to keep us posted on transfer activity. X will be giving us exclusive news and views before ending the show with questions from our collective followers on social media. That's all coming up on tonight's show. X, I must confess, I committed last weekend to some time away with family, so I didn't actually see the Villa game. But from some of the comments I've seen on social media, I'm assuming it wasn't one of our best performances. Um, it was a bit of a yeah, a nothing performance, I would say. Um, I mean, obviously, we got a draw against a team that were fighting for their lives. So in that respect, you could probably say there was a good result. Antonio missed a... Uh, a very good chance early on. Mm. If that had gone in, you know, things might have been a bit different. Um, I would have liked to have seen us play a bit better for the last game of the season and, and make Villa fight for their survival a bit more. Um, but 
I think on the whole, it was, you know, a draw. I said, didn't I, last week, I think it would be a draw. A draw in the circumstances that we had nothing to play for. They did have a huge thing to play for. It's probably not the end of the world, uh, a draw in that circumstance. As I say, I think they, the, the players were okay. Everyone put in shift really i think ben johnson especially was the the man of the match for me um stood out not just because of his like um crossing which a lot of people have picked up on but the fact i thought his positional play was really good he's obviously out of position as well because he's a right back but he looks equally as comfortable as a left back and i think that's a real good option that we've got there mm. um you know i'll talk more about this in my section but Moyes has identified the fullback areas as a real weakness of the club, which I have said and you've said for a long time, the amount of crosses that go in, but he does rate Ben Johnson, mm, um, mm. So, and I think rightly so. And um, I think he played really well. Um, yeah, I personally would have changed the team around. I would have put um, Alaire in personally and said look this what do you want from us you know tell us what do you want how do you want us to set up for you to get a couple of goals going into the summer and i would have played him um but well simways was trying to keep momentum going i guess uh but yeah that that was that was a, an okay performance i would say yeah i mean look you could argue that the boys are on the beach in their minds i mean ultimately the draw did cost us a premier league position in terms of slipping from 15th to 16th financially I don't know what difference that makes to the club probably not a, a massive amount but you'd like to think we'd carry that momentum through play entertaining football and maybe there are some players in that side that still have a bit of a point to prove to a degree so yeah I'm a sort of a bit 50-50 when I saw the result but I suppose at the same time you also have to take into account that Villa were playing in a desperate situation and it's always difficult to play against a side that play that desperately, I suppose. So, yeah, I mean, in the day, it didn't really matter too much. I mean, that's, that's why I think I agreed to go away for the weekend <laughs> and spend that time with family because I knew there was nothing really riding on it. It is what it is. wasn't the best, but at the end of the day, we've kind of strung some performances prior to that we can't really complain about, can we? Yeah, that's it. It's an end-of-season feel for us. Yeah. Um, I actually would have liked Bournemouth to stay up, so in that respect, I was really urging us to get a, a second goal because I wanted Bournemouth to stay up, only because Bournemouth's a great away day. I mean, Villa's a good away day, but Bournemouth on the coast, you know, it's a great away day. Um, if we're allowed to have away days, you know, it could be irrelevant yeah. anyway. But yeah. uh, And I just thought that maybe Villa, because they are a big club, have the potential in a few years to maybe, like sort of be better than West Ham if they progress. Whereas I'd like to think, you know, Bournemouth have kind of reached the ultimate mm. they could ever get to and therefore wouldn't but who knows um but yeah it was a, a bit of a average average performance but as i say main positives of ben johnson and the fact that he he played as well as he did in um only his what third game is it fourth game whatever it is mm. um he did really well yeah yeah he seems to be going from strength to strength and someone else that is going from strength to strength is obviously Declan Rice. He won Hammer of the Year. Mm -hmm. He picked up his award on Sunday. I don't think you can argue with that, really. I mean, I know there were some other contenders. The strongest one to rival Declan in that respect was Bonner. He's had a fantastic season, but I think the right decision was made, didn't you? Um, I think so. Like I did a poll. These polls seem to be quite accurate, which is quite handy for us to have this true reflection on the fan base because mm. I did a poll as to who the Hammer of the Year would be. And... Um, I got 15,000 um, approximately votes on that and Rice got 48% and he actually got 50% in the real 
um, pole. Um, so mm. very little mm. difference. Ogbonna came second, which she did in ours, and Antonio third. And I think that's right. Now, I was, I'll be honest, torn between Ogbonna and Rice. I was torn because I think Ogbonna has came from basically being no one really rating him that much, thinking mm. he was on the way out to being a key p- person for us. And I think every time a Bonner um, had been out, we'd lost or something. There was a statistic like that. And and I think he he really has played well this season. I think he's been one of the few defenders, if the only defender, aside from maybe Johnson and Ngakia, that you can say he's consistently performed. Um, mm, so I think it was very, very close. Declan chose Bonner as his as his, um, but I think it is the right choice because Declan's been runner-up, hammer of the year two seasons before that. He's now in the running again. He's played every minute of every game. Um, you know, I think that alone is worth no, is worth something. Um, and obviously, he's never been below. Uh, a, a, a very bad performance a 7 out of 10 but mm. regularly 8, 9 mm. um, out of 10 and I think he's getting better and better he was our vice captain at the age of like 21 um, so I think yeah I think it was the right result mm. looking, looking um, subjectively at it yeah oh, I do he got my vote he got my yeah. vote do you think we saw Yama's last goal for West Ham um, I think there's, I mean, again, this will be my section. I've spoke about it a couple of times. I think the club do want to sell him. They want to sell Lanzini. They 100% want to sell Anderson. Um, and I think he's he's sort of fallen into that category of maybe overpaid players that aren't performing, um, of which Will Sherwood be in there. Yarmolenko is slightly difficult because I think he's came on and he's actually contributed mm. during lockdown. And I think if he could maintain fitness... Maybe there's another season mm. left in him potentially because he has scored a few goals this year from not that much action, but he is one of the highest earners mm. and he's coming into his thirties. He might even be thirty now. So I think you do need if if the right offer came in for him, I would I would take it. See, I'm not sure he's really done too much wrong. No, let's not forget he was out injured for a period of time yeah, as well. Yeah, and it's like you said when he's come on. The one thing about him is he does lack pace. And if you're going to play him on the wing, I always believe your winger should have pace, which is one of the reasons I'm not sure Fulnells belongs on the wing when he plays. No, I don't think he does. Um, but having said that, okay, yeah, I mean, he's, he's earning decent money, but he does always seem to contribute. Yeah, I'm a bit torn on him. I think we paid about £20 million for him from the top of my head. If someone came in and offered £20 million for him, I think I'd take it. Mm. Um, if someone comes in and offers... I don't know, five million say, I might be tempted to say, no, let's give him another season. Mm. Um, I'm still mixed on him. I think technically he's a very good player. He lacks pace and he's injury prone. So you have to balance it up. It mm. will also depend about alternatives as well. And if we did sell Yarmolenko, are we going to invest it in another player? If we are, then maybe you go with it. If we're not, then we can't afford to let him go because he's come off the bench two or three times now and made very telling contributions mm, mm. I know you said previously that if we could morph Yarmolenko's technical ability and Antonio's pace and yeah. strength you'd have one hell of a player you there would, wouldn't you you would mate like, I was, it's funny like, I'd give him a shout out I went to the free Colts in Buckers Hill today with um, a good friend of mine that I haven't um seen for a little while but a friend I've known for many a year um, he's actually... is he Dave Sullivan he's, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> he's actually opposite to Dave Sullivan this fella's actually taller than you is he really yeah, he's a, I'd say he's a good two inches taller oh, than wow. you yeah, he's is he better looking though 
Um, I'll, I'll leave that up to the ladies <laughs> to decide. Maybe we could do a poll. Um, <laughs> don't fucking do that. Whatever you do. <laughs> I think you, I think you'd both get on. I must introduce you to each other. But yeah, I um, I brought him along. Good to catch up with him. And I met um Adam Brooks, who's the owner of yep. um Free Colts and the Owl in Loughton. A really nice guy, despite being a Tottenham fan. Yep. One of the one of the few that is marking down for that. Yeah, exactly. And I said to him, to, I said to him today, we were talking. He was saying how much he likes you. Malenko from a kind of neutral point of view mm. and I said exactly what you said there I said yeah I do technically I think he's one of the best players we've got mm. but I think in the Premier League as a winger you have to have pace and I think he doesn't have that so I, I said exactly that if you had Antonio's pace because he was saying how Antonio's come from nowhere and I said Antonio has always been a threat he's just technically not as good as he should be, really. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, if you could combine the two, you would. Have an amazing player, definitely, yeah. but unfortunately you can't. I don't want to cut into your section, and I might be doing that by asking you this next question, but I want to just touch on the the mysterious, invisible man that is Mazuaku in this well, day and age. me, then. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to touch on you. Don't worry about say, that. You've done that before. Close I enough to. No, but... you've touched me before and I didn't enjoy it. So. <laughs> yeah, that's what you're telling the listeners. You blow on cold with me. You really do. Uh, but, I mean, what does the future hold for him? Because he is a little bit like the forgotten man, really, yeah. isn't he? I mean, he plays left-back and gets slated for his defensive duties when, in my opinion, he's not a left-back. But then before he joined West Ham, he played left-back. So is he or isn't he? And then going forward, I think he's shown signs of promise, but you could argue that he hasn't really been given a decent opportunity to show what he can do. We're at a stage now where we're talking about ins and outs, and it's probably going to dominate, certainly your section, in the coming weeks. Where does he sit in your mind? Do we know enough about what Moyes thinks about him, what the board think about him, what he thinks about West Ham? Uh, he'll be gone if the right offer comes really? in. Really? So he's on that yeah, shift he's list? He's on that he? list. He's ca- he, he'll be gone. I mean, he, he ha- Moyes hasn't really... When Moyes came back as a manager, he really raced Maseraki from his first spell. Um, and I think he was one of the players at the start that he pulled aside and just said, look, you know, alongside Declan and I guess Noble and a few others, pulled them to the side and said, look, I'm gonna, I want you to help me turn this around. He was really highly rated by Moyes. But Moyes hasn't really used him since he's been about I think they've kind of decided that his problem is is that no one actually does know what position he is I mean you're right you've said you'd play him left wing um, and I think in my head that's probably his best position as well but he hasn't been played left wing um, he hasn't really been given that chance he's covered for Cresswell at left back his defensive ability is very questionable particularly in the Premier League so I think if someone comes in for him he, he will go yeah Tell me your your final thoughts on our our season. Um, I'm glad it's over. I'm not going to lie; it's been the longest season in history. It really um, has, hasn't it? it? Can you believe this? Pretty much kicked off in Las Vegas. I know, I, mate. It's unbelievable. And I, I I was thinking about Las Vegas a lot today because, as I said, I met up with um, this mate, and we were talking about sort of what our plans were for the summer. And you know, we were meant to be in Brisbane and LA and possibly Vegas this year. And I told mm. him about Vegas last year, and it was such an amazing experience. It really, really was. But when you think back. That game was Brighton That's away. Right. Uh, Hernandez yeah. scored, which sounds yeah. ridiculous, yeah. Um, and it was just such an amazing time to think that that was like a year ago. It's really weird because the season it feels like ages. It really feels like that was a lifetime ago, um, yeah. and um, 
Yeah, so in that respect, it's been a, it's been a really disappointing season. I didn't think we'd be in a relegation battle. I really thought we'd do better. You know, I thought Pellegrini would take us on to another level. He clearly didn't. Mm. Um, I think I think it's been disappointing. You know, to finish the season with no crowds in, in no no supporters, very surreal. Um, I'm glad we did finish the season now. Like I was always against it, but I'm mm. glad because nothing really health-wise was a consequence and we stayed up. I'm glad it's finished. I'm glad it's done. I'm glad we can move on. I'm glad we stayed up. Um, obviously, we're keeping Moyes as manager. Am I glad about that? Don't think glad's the right word, but I think it's probably the right decision. But that, in a way, is depressing. That mm. That is now how I feel because I wouldn't have thought I would have. So I guess in a nutshell... I didn't particularly enjoy it. The moments I did enjoy, we'll talk about in the um, yep. in the polls. Um, but I'm glad it's done and that we can move on. And let's do exactly that. Let's move on to announce the categories in the official, unofficial West Ham Way end of season awards. And remember, every category announced will be released on Twitter as a poll, and you guys listening are going to vote for the winner. X is going to read them out. <laughs> um, so the player of the season awards obviously been decided and we did a poll for that anyway. So what I've skipped to for the next award is the most improved player. Now, I, I had some help with the listeners. I put it out there and a lot of people tend to focus on which board member do you hate most. Um, and I, there was a <laughs> lot of suggestions on that. And I, I, I didn't put that one in purely because I think I know the answer anyway. I think it would go Brady, Sullivan, Gold for off the top of my head but um but i didn't put it in anyway mm. but that was the most common one but other ones were given to me so thank mm. you to all of those that did and for the nominations some i did myself some i took from others anyway most improved player so number one the four options are because obviously that's all you can have on twitter um snodgrass antonio ogbonna and i randomly put dean garner in this because whilst he wasn't most improved at west ham in terms of his stock value, I would mm. say it's massively improved. So those were the four I've put in. Yeah, I understand the four choices. I would immediately disregard Dean Garner, purely because whilst he's had an incredible season at West Brom, it's still been in the Championship and he's unproven in the Premiership. And I think he's earned the right to prove himself in the Premiership. That's the whole point of sending him out on loan. Otherwise, what is the point? Mm. But for that reason, he's not in my faults. Uh, Snodgrass... I think, generally speaking, when you look at his time at West Ham, it's been challenging to say the least. You know, he's had off-the-field issues with the club and the owners from going to Aston Villa to coming back and fighting his way back into the team and putting on some fantastic performances. But we haven't seen that much of him recently, understandably, with respect to Snods. So that does leave me with two. And I think Ogbonna, for what you were saying earlier on, and I think you're absolutely spot on, he went through a real period with West Ham fans where he was getting slated. Mm. And I do mean slated. Mm. And not necessarily unjustified, to be honest, because he was making some really bad mistakes. And uh, and I thought we were seeing the beginning of the end of him. So to come back from that and be one of our standout performers, you could potentially put him as a most improved. However, my vote would go to Antonio. Okay. Because... Again, he's come back from the dead in some respects. Mm. Do you remember not too long ago on this podcast, we both said that we consider moving him on? Yeah. Because he can't seem to go longer than half hour without blowing out of his arse. Yeah. He isn't scoring as many goals as he should do. And he wasn't adding the value that we need from him. 
And I think he might have been linked with Palace at the time. And we were saying, do you know what? If we got 10, 15 million, we'd probably let him go. Mm. Now, you look at especially his contribution towards the end of the season. Having been played out of position again at West Ham, he, he was out of position uh, in right back under Slavin Bilic. Then he was put on the wing. Now he's up front. He's shown his versatility. He's shown that he's working hard to get his fitness back. Um, some of his performances have been outstanding in terms of his graft for West Ham. And his goals have just been absolutely crucial to us. So mm. I didn't expect that from him. And he's done all of that with a smile on his face. I mean, I absolutely love him off the pitch as much as I love him on it. So for that reason, I think I'd, I'd give it to Mickey. Okay, so I'm going to say I'd go with Ogbonna. Right, so that's right. Our, so immediately we've got a split. The reason I would go with Ogbonna is because I think throughout the duration of the season, um, we're talking from... August to now, he has put in consistently good performances, having been definitely third choice centre back um, last year behind Balbuena and Diop, and potentially on the way out to now being one of the first names on the team sheet mm. um, to consistently perform throughout the season. I think Antonio did have some good games prior to lockdown I seem to remember him playing well against Southampton away and I think that people were becoming quite reliant on him before lockdown but I believe he really kicked into top form after lockdown Mm. and you know if you wanted to do hammer of the year since lockdown he would probably clean up most Mm. awards since lockdown but I think for the duration of the season and because it was not really expected you know I remember when we were in Las Vegas like we spoke of I remember us like being like, oh, I can't believe Ogbonna's the centre back, and then he played well, and we were like, actually, mm. he was, you know, and I think, I think because of that, I'm going to go with Ogbonna. I think that's a really fair argument. My only counter argument to that, if you like, is that I thought he was a really decent player prior to that dodgy period. So has he improved on? the best we've seen of him at West Ham. Yeah. Arguably not. Mm -hmm. Has he improved from that really dark period that everyone thought he was never going to come back from? Absolutely. And then he's then gone on to consistently perform at a top level. Mm. Whereas Antonio, you could argue he hasn't. So it's an interesting one. Yeah, see, I think Antonio has played really well previously as well because he obviously Mm. got into the England squad in the past. So I think what you've said about Ogbonna, you could could actually say. Because I think, but what I think you've got to do is you've got to judge it on this season. So for example, Example, if mm. we were doing this award at the end of next season and Lanzini had contributed, let's say, hypothetically, a lot more next season than he had to this season, you could argue, well, he was amazing in 2016 and mm. he hasn't made, reached that standard. Mm. But because of the previous season, he's that much more improved on that. Which mm. is why I'm going to go for Yeah, Ogbonna. I think that's fair. I think that's um, so, fair. I mean, those would be the two that I think. But, I mean, you could make an argument for Dean Garner in the sense that he has gone from being, you know, decent for us, but, you know, a bit question marks, whereas mm. looking like the best, one of the best championship players out there. Mm. Um, I, I um, really do want to see him in the Premier League, though. Yeah. I am reserving my judgment until I do that. Fair enough. Right, best signing of the season. Uh, I think, for me, there's two front runners in this, but we'll also see what you think. Um, for nows Bowen Suchek and Hilaire uh, well as much as I find myself constantly defending Hilaire week in week out he gets discounted um, because and again we go back to the age old argument of why hasn't he performed why hasn't he delivered me and you see it very differently but the bottom line is regardless of why he hasn't he hasn't mm. so 
he can't be the best signing of the season when he hasn't delivered against a forty-five million pound transfer fee. Yeah, he gets discounted. Um, it's got to be Bowen and Suchek, mm-hmm. and I think that's quite tough. Yeah, um, I do. I think it'd be very close between those two. Do you know? I think that's really difficult. You know, I really do, because Bowen is just. His, his level of work rate has been a breath of fresh air yeah, week in, week out mm-hmm. since he's been playing. He's also come up with the odd goal. You always think something could happen when he's got the ball. And I love the fact that he has the sort of attitude I've been moaning about all season that no one else has. Yeah. That's what I want. He's the poster boy for me that everyone else should be looking at and say, that's what I should be doing week in, week mm. out. Suchek, on the other hand, is like a bit of a Patrick Vieira for us, I think. Mm, mm. You know, he's tall in stature, he's strong, um, positional sense is great, defensively he's brilliant, going forward he's brilliant. And, you know, when we signed him, we was talking on this podcast about how surprising his goal-scoring record is, do you remember? Mm. Yeah, I do, yeah. Prior to West Ham, he'd scored quite a lot of goals for a defensive midfielder. Mm. And now you can see why, now time has passed. So he's also a bit of an attacking threat as well. And I just think over the weeks, you've just seen him get stronger and stronger and stronger whereas Bowen has consistently been at a level it's a difficult one I think I think I'm going to lean with Suchek mm. I think I agree with you on that I'm really torn between those two and that it, I think in this poll that will be um, replicated mm. in the result because those two are so crucial to our survival um, so yeah it's, it's got to be between those two Um and I, I, find I could probably argue a case for either of them, but I think Bowen. You could say you kind of knew more what you were getting because you knew he was performing at that level for Hull. I know it's the Championship, but he was ripping it apart in there and had done um, for a number of years. Um, and he was scoring lots of goals for Hull. I, I can't remember how many he's got for us. Off the top of my head, I can only remember one. I might, he might have got two, but the only one I can remember is the one he dinked over the keeper, unless against Southampton, I think, unless I forgot one. Um, mm. But Suchek's got at least three goals, I would say. Mm. One at Newcastle. Um, he scored against Watford, didn't he? And yeah. he's got one other. Was it Chelsea, maybe? Yeah, it should have been four yeah, in Chelsea total, because he had four. that chopped off when it shouldn't have been. Yeah, exactly. And I think that in itself, and the fact that no one had really heard of him before. Yeah. I know he played for the Czech Republic. So if you had some football knowledge you had of, um, I think I'm just going to give it to Suchek. And because we needed that position so much, yeah. like we've needed that um, that sort of box to box, you know, help both defensively and attacking. And I think for me, he he is the he is the um, He's the one that just edges it for me. Mm, just. Mm, okay. um, so next one is worst part of the season. Fine. And um, I've gone for Roberto's mistakes. Yeah. Um, VAR. Yeah. Um, Pellegrini sacking um, and letting winning positions slip. Yeah. Good choices. Really good category so far. Mm, and tough you. as well. Yeah. Tough. That's why they're better to be tough because yeah. it causes talking points. Do you know what? I think... As much as I'm tempted to go with Roberto, I'm so, to this day, gutted about Pellegrini. And I think maybe 
I was naive, maybe the board was naive, maybe everyone that was excited about Pellegrini's appointment was naive, because now, with the benefit of hindsight, he did manage out the country beforehand, with respect to his age, is he that kind of hungry anymore? You know, we all thought that he would be. He was put on big money. He then had a decent amount of money to spend. And I think for the first time when Pellegrini was appointed, I'd felt that the board was serious about this club and that we were really going to kick on. And I felt really, really, really let down by Pellegrini and his ultimate sacking. And and I, it was such a kick in the bollocks. And obviously what followed that was the appointment of Moyes. So to go from such a high at the beginning of the season with such high expectations to then feel how I feel now was such a defining moment for me. Um, for that reason, I think I'm going to go with, with Pellegrini. Okay, that's interesting because I wasn't expecting you to say that one actually because I, I kind of imagined in my head what you were going to say to each of these um, and that's fair enough. What did you think you, I'd say? I actually thought that you would go with um, letting winning positions slip. Yeah, I, I, to be honest, thought... X, there's a case for all of those. Yeah, um, and, uh, that's, and that's, to, like I said, why this should cause good debate. Now, I could argue for everyone. I think for me, actually, the Pellegrini sacking, yes, I was very disappointed because I thought he was going to take us on to the next level, but almost... With West Ham, I almost kind of just think this is what happens. You get excited and it ends up being shit. Mm. It's kind of like your standard West Ham thing. Um, yeah, but it shouldn't be anymore, no, it though, shouldn't. should it? It shouldn't, but it just kind of is. Mm. So then I look at the other ones. Roberto's mistakes were bloody frustrating and ridiculous that we didn't <laughs> do anything about it beforehand when he clearly couldn't. I mean, he seems to have done all right in Spain, but clearly couldn't. Put, <laughs> it's the West Ham way, mate. Exactly. Isn't it? Clearly couldn't. I, I see the other day that um, Atletico Madrid yeah, are potentially I know, interested I know, in I know, him. I know it's shocking, isn't the it? Fucking world's gone mad. I know. This is what I mean. So, it, you know, yeah, it was frustrating, but we've had poor players before. Then I looked at letting winning positions slip, and I, I can't remember what the actual statistic was, but I think it was something like twenty-four points. It's twenty-six. Twenty-six now. is it, which would have taken us to Champions League spot. And when you look at mm. it like that, that is ridiculous. Even if you let half of those slip, it's still frustrating. But to let twenty-six points, that's frustrating. But for me, I think I'm going to go with VAR, and I think the reason I'm going to go with VAR is because I genuinely thought it would benefit teams like West Ham because I thought the big clubs always get the decisions. Like like the home advantage, you know, your Anfield, your Old Traffords and so on. And, and and I thought for years, you know, that big club syndrome where you never get a penalty at Old Trafford type thing. Yeah. I thought this was going to actually level it out a bit. And I thought that you would see a fairer football. So to Well, say. ironically, it did at Old Trafford this well, season. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but there right. ain't too many other standout moments no. that have worked in our favour. Exactly. And I, and I hate the technology. Exactly. I really do. And it should be something that had a positive impact on the game, that made things fairer that took out the human error and it hasn't. The fact that Bournemouth have been relegated by a point which Aston Villa got for a goal that was clearly a, a, um, a goal by Sheffield United against them when the ball clearly crossed the line because they forgot to turn it on or mm. there was a blip with it and it's affected the season that much and the amount of decisions that I have seen the technology might get the thing right but it still relies on yes. that uh, human judgement yep. to be able to read the technology properly and say right that's a penalty or that's a handball or whatever and it doesn't it still has that human error in it and it seems to have been even worse because now there's 
um, uncertainty about what makes a handball, how far, what mm. part of your body is offside, mm. you know, and and constantly you cannot celebrate a goal yeah. because you every time you think is that going to be ruled out, you know, it's it's just it's just spoiling football at the moment, and and for me it's something that you know a player being shit, yes, that's part of what football is. You're going to have good and shit players, so that rules out the Roberto thing, the dropping twenty four points. That's something to do with our mentality and being shit again mm. <laughs> <laughs> Pellegrini is something to do with us being shit whereas VAR in theory is nothing to do with how shit we are yeah. so it should it should be something that's good but it isn't mm. so for that reason I'm going to go with VAR um, so moment of the season so number one is Antonio's four goals versus Norwich mm-hmm. um Martin's debut in clean sheet away mm. at Chelsea, Yarmolenko's last minute winner versus Chelsea, or Rice's goal versus Watford. Oh yeah. Good choices again, mate. You're smashing this. Oh, I'm very you, impressed. Mate. There you go. Not just a pretty face, eh? Yeah, I, I mean Or a fat ugly yeah. face as people are <laughs> trying to tell me today. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I mean, that was such a good away day, Chelsea, wasn't it? Uh, mate, one of my best away days. Yeah. In, I would probably, if I was to rank, certainly makes the top 10. Yeah. It's going to be close to top five in my life. And I've been yeah. to like hundreds just because it was with you. It was such a good laugh. The yeah. atmosphere, the you know, the fact that you know, we'd have Roberto and all of a sudden Martin, then we've got a chance. Martin's yeah. in goal. Yeah. It just gets so loud. And I like the drumming part I played for those chants. <laughs> and, uh, and we met up with, we had a drink before with Sam. Yeah. I introduced two of, you know, you as a, a, good, a really good mate of mine and him as a really good mate of mine. It was nice for you two to meet up. Yeah, it was, good it was a really good day. Really good day. Yeah, it was. It was really good. And it, and it, you know, you always enjoy beating Chelsea. Yeah. You always do. And, and, you know, we've done a double over them this season, yeah. which is a fantastic achievement. Probably the standout achievement um, this season, to mm. be honest. But, you know, that really was, I don't know, such a... I, don't, I, don't, I can't really put it into words. West Ham fans were literally tearing our, our hair out with Roberto in goal to a point where it was costing us games. Not just goals, but games. And it, you know, it's like turning points in seasons. We were doing okay. Actually, we are doing really well up until Fabianzi got injured. Mm. The turning point was Roberto coming in. And then we just absolutely dive-bombed. Then, you know, a turning point to a degree was Martin coming back in and giving everyone a lift. And I don't know, maybe I'm going to answer this with a bit of sentiment, really, and think with my heart over my head. But it meant so much to him. And it meant so much to his family. And it meant so much to West Ham fans that were there. All for so many different reasons. The relief, the elation, the joy. And just the cherry on the cake, really, was seeing the two generations come together Mm. at the final whistle with David Martin in tears, Mm. getting cuddled by Alvin. Mm. It was such a poignant moment. Making me feel emotional. (laughs) (laughs) But it was. It was an emotional sight. And I just thought that was such a poignant moment. Um, I think that's, that's... that's got to be up there for me. Mm, I agree. Oh, that's the one that I would go with. Um, I think for everything that you've said, it's actually Alvin Martin's birthday today. Yes. So shout out to him. Happy birthday, I've, Stretch. I've, I've had the pleasure of meeting Alvin a number of times like, alongside you. Yep. Because of, um, we've had him at the events. We've done an mm. interview with him. Um, 
been on radio a couple of times. I was going to say, have we interviewed him a couple of times? Yeah, obviously memorable interviews. (laughs) I just lose track of some we've done twice and some we've done. I know we've interviewed him, um, but yeah, we've interviewed him twice, done an event with him. Um, I've met him a couple of times myself outside that. He introduced me to his other son, Joe, who is a footballer. I think he plays for Northampton now. And Joe and I... Uh, I say it without giving too much about away about myself. Um, did some coaching sessions together, shall we say? Um, and um, we sort of I helped him with his coaching company. Um, so I met him a couple of times. Um, and I've also met David Martin with you. I think we met them in the players' lounge. Dare I say? Uh, we met David Martin that time. He's an absolute, and they're just such lovely lads. Yeah, they're really just down to earth family. Yeah, they? such good people. I've never mm. met Mrs. Martin, as far as I'm aware, but the three, the three blokes, are absolute diamond geezers. Yeah. and like you said, to see that moment for the family where he's, you know, he's probably dreamed of playing West Ham ever since his dad did, and mm. then you know, it didn't look like he was going to get end up playing for Millwall of all teams. Yeah. Um, and then um, gets that moment. Keeps a clean sheet, mm. has his has the whole crowd singing about it. it's the stuff of fairy tales. And I remember on Twitter, I messaged him and just said, "Mate, like, mm. mate, like, what, you know, what did you say?" Buzzing, and he was like, "He said he literally hasn't ever been like can't come down from it. It's no. like such a high." Um, and and you know he's a very popular person with the players as well. The players love him. He's a real positive, bubbly person around in the dressing room. And that day just had everything. Like I said, we met up. We had a nice few beers early with mm. Sam. Good banter, good luck. Because Sam's a Chelsea fan, so mm. obviously we had that banter beforehand. Then we got to the game, front row of the upper tier, right on the corner flag, you know, where I could kick that <laughs> thing to join in the charge. Um, yeah. with the, the stand, and then uh, bumped into a load of people that we knew that day. It yeah. like we often do on a way day, yeah. so, don't we? That day, but that day particularly, I just seem to remember speaking to so many yeah. different people, yeah. which was really good. And then obviously, didn't think we would get anything of it, thought we'd get battered. But then to go and yeah. win that game, 1 0, atmosphere was amazing. Then the scenes after I think for me that's one of those moments in West Ham history that you'll look back on as an iconic moment and you'll <clears throat> you'll remember it and say I was there and I think that's the thing you know the thing with Antonio four goals against Norwich amazing mm. we would have been at that game had mm. had we not been in lockdown because Norwich is a significant uh, to me and we said we'd stay up there mm. that weekend so it'd be great to see it but we didn't we weren't there Yarmolenko last minute winner against Chelsea was amazing and I jumped off my seat and was buzzing mm. but again I wasn't there mm. um, and what was the other one I said Declan's right, goal outstanding goal, it wasn't there so I think yeah. that's that's why I go for that one yeah. um, worst decision of the season um, letting Ngakia go, um, whether that that's entirely down to us, but the whole Ngakia situation, mm-hmm. um, playing Roberto for as many games as we did, appointing David Moyes, um, and failure to play to Hilaire's strengths. Uh, that's an easy one for me, playing Roberto for as long as we did. Yeah, It's as simple as that. After game one, you think, fucking hell, not a great start. Game two, you think, who is this fella? Game three... You want to lynch him. Yeah. I mean, and, and this went on for about eight or nine games. Yeah, yeah. And and it's like we've said on this podcast, I've never, ever seen a goalkeeper like it. No. He was horrendous to a yeah. point where not only is he the worst goalkeeper in West Ham's history by a country mile, he's got to be up there with the worst in the Premier League. Yeah. Uh, just horrendous. And I just, to this day, I don't know... Why you just at some point wouldn't have given one of the kids a go between the sticks? No, I think it was, he was that bad. Yeah, I agree. And the thing that made it more concerning for me was like you can have players that play 
um, badly. So your forward can't hit the target or your defender, I don't know, loses headers and they make kind of things where maybe like they know what they're doing, but they're just not good enough. Whereas Roberto mm. didn't even know how to position himself. Mm. And that to me was the it's basics. Right? Exactly. It's the basis. I, I would be the worst keeper in the world. I'm old, I'm fat and I'm short, right? Literally I've got no concentration. So I would literally be the worst keeper in the world. However, I think <laughs> I could position myself better than Roberto. I wouldn't be able to yeah. save it because I'd be too short, but I'd be in the right place where, the, where I should be. It would just yeah. go over my head or go aside, aside to me. But I would be in the right place. He was not in the right yeah. places for yeah. one on ones, for corners, for free kicks, and that is basics as a keeper. You learn that from day one as a keeper, yeah. where you should be standing. And he didn't even seem to have that. Yes, you can say keepers are, are crap shot stoppers or they're weak at crosses, but that's like a like a skill, a positioning thing is something that is fundamental to the job. It's yeah. like saying, you know, you've got a forward that cannot control the ball, you know, like, mm. or, a, or a defender that can't ever head the ball. Mm. You know, it's a basic. You might not be very good at it, but you can do it. Whereas he literally couldn't do it. And he must have been fairly decent at some point. I think, you know, Pellegrini and Husilios both worked with him before. So at some point, he must have been a decent keeper because they wouldn't surely have persisted with someone that bad without thinking, okay, he's going for a bad spell. He's actually better than what we've seen. And like we said earlier, he's apparently done all right in Spain. So maybe there was, I don't know, maybe there was something, I just don't know. I mean, there is a conspiracy theorist and she'll love the shout out. I'm not going to say who it is, but I'll say what she keeps messaging me. She reckons that Pellegrini, he was so pissed off with the board and stuff that I wanted to make, uh, I wanted to go out and have someone else uh, and make a big, like basically throw the results. And the way he did it was just by playing Roberto because <laughs> yeah. he was that bad. I'm not so sure about that. No, one, I was going to say, I, I've, I have, I don't entertain that idea. Yeah. I think that might be slightly far-fetched, yeah. but he was that bad yeah. that, he was, yeah. and you, you you can't look past just how detrimental he was to our season. Hugely, hugely. I mean, he basically got Pellegrini in the sack. Mm. You know, had had Fabianski not got injured, I don't think Pellegrini would have got the sack. I think we would have picked up at least six to nine. Yeah, more you can argue that. You games. can argue that. Yeah, and then we would have been in a much better position than we were. And then not only is that a better position because of points, but mentally you're mm. in a better position because you're you know you're winning games. You've got those extra nine points. You're not thinking, and this is what I kept trying to say to people, stupid people on Twitter. And I'm sorry to use that word, but recently I've felt there's quite a few of them. Um, stupid people on Twitter would say, yeah, but he's not at full. He's not the one that's missing all the shots on target, or he's not the one that's not defending very well. Yes, he isn't. But if you've got a keeper that you know, the minute someone shoots on target, they're going to basically score mm. psychologically. That is going to affect you because you know, no matter what you do, you know you're not you. You know you're a pressure to score. You've got to score every shot because you know your keeper is going to let them in. It affects the whole team when one person, particularly when it's the keeper, is that bad. Mm. And um, he. he he uh, he was, and he was a disaster. And I honestly think, had he not been in goal, just say Fabianski stayed fit the whole time, we Pellegrini would still be manager now. Mm, I think that's fair shout. That's how impact he, how much of an impact he had on the season. Mm. Um, biggest letdown of the season: Anderson, Lanzini, Hilaire, or Diop. Uh, hands down, Anderson for me. Uh, Lanzini, I, I think he took that crown last season mm-hmm. uh, Philippe 
just disappeared, didn't he? Yeah. And uh, he he showed a lot of promise, and there was so much expectation on him from West Ham fans. And ultimately, I think I think that's what's killed him this season. I don't think he's been psychologically strong enough to carry the weight of expectation from West Ham fans. Mm. And I've said this in a previous podcast. I think if he leaves West Ham and goes to a club who doesn't necessarily know that much about him, much like we didn't when he came to us from Lazio, he'd probably be the best player on the park for the first three months. Then when people get excited about him and pin their hopes on him, and there's that expectation level within the stadium, I think he'll just fall to pieces. Yeah. And that's the difference between your Dimitri Pyatt's and your Philippe Anderson's. Very similar in terms of their ability, but what took Pyatt to a different level was he could do it week in, week out, even with that expectation level on him, whereas Philippe didn't. Mm. And, you know, he cost a, a, a fair few quid. He's on a fair few quid. And he's shown us what he can do. But he's just completely disappeared and now fallen into the category of Lanzini of just being completely missing week in, week out. If you was to put those in order, so obviously you've said Anderson's the biggest, how would you put the others? Right, so give me the four again. Lanzini, Anderson, Allaire and Diop. Uh, I would say Anderson, Lanzini, Hilaire, Diop. Because because I think Diop's been disappointing, but I don't think he's been a standout underperformer. Yeah, I agree. I think he's had good games yeah. at times as yeah. well. Not perhaps to the standard he was having last year, no. but he hasn't been that bad. I think I would probably go in the same order as you, although people are not going to be surprised that I still find Hilaire more disappointing than you've described now whose fault that is that's not what I'm debating here most people yourself included say it's because we don't play to his strengths okay whatever whether that argument is legit or not fair play however regardless of that we still paid 45 million pound for a forward which we've never done before we've never come close to paying that obviously we paid 15 million for carol at one point but which equivalent wise was a lot of money but that much money on a guy that looks like he should be amazing you know scored loads of goals in holland and uh, Germany, um, and you know, look, potentially, I was, but bu- I'm not gonna lie, I was buzzing when we signed him, oh, yeah, I really was. And, um, I, I, for whatever reason it is, he hasn't delivered what he should have this season. Now, he's probably gonna be here next year, hopefully, he will next year, and I, and he'll prove that he is the player that we hope he was. But I should not find myself this season, I, fi- I think being that frustrated with a 45 million pound forward you just have to look when we needed him we were in a relegation battle Moyes didn't pick him he mm. was he barely played yeah that's a concern it's also a bit of a concern that he didn't start him against Villa for yeah, me because he, he is now 100% fully fit and ready yeah. to play isn't he? And mate, he why did he not play him and he, mate he wasn't you know he got it, before he got injured the team versus Wolves was picked on the assumption that he was fit bearing in mind he'd scored for in both the preseason games against uh, QPR and Palace, he was on the bench for the Wolves game, yeah, and strange. then he got injured. Mm. So it's not because of the injury; he was going to be on the bench regardless. And he's barely played since then. Now you could turn around and, as a lot of young people on Twitter will do, and say you're talking rubbish. It's Moises. It's Moises' not ability to not pick the right players or whatever. Hilaire should be in the team. But Moyes kept us up and got results and got Antonio scoring goals. You know, Antonio scored shitloads of goals after lockdown. So, what is what what have we got here? Now, I, I actually think when he came on as a sub, 
a couple of times. I actually thought he played quite well. Mm. I thought he held the ball up all right. I thought he won a few headers. I actually thought, given the minimal time he had, he actually did all right. Um, but I just find it frustrating that, that, that this is the case. Um, now, I so for me, I'm not going to pick him because he did score seven, eight goals. He did, uh, in some games, play brilliantly. Um, I And I... I'm going to go with Anderson as well. And the reason I'm going to go with Anderson is because I embarrassingly suggested that he would be Hammer of the Year this year. Um, and he couldn't have been far from I it. I might have done the same as well. But I also suggested, and you remember, because I felt really bad saying it, but I'd heard uh, three or four weeks into the, uh, with our season predictions, I'd heard that Hilaire had not impressed. Hmm. People when I sit and you, the question was, who do you think is going to flop this season? And I wouldn't say it because I was scared of the reaction of fans. I said Yarmolenko, but I said to you, and I said there's someone else, but I'm not prepared to say it now. And it was him, and all of the things that those people said to me are the things that I criticise him now. However, I'm going to let that go, and I'm going to say, and I'm going to agree with the however much percentage it is that tells me it's not the ser- it's the service that's the problem and I'm going to go with Anderson because of the heights I thought he would hit this season first I am going to go with Lanzini second because I think you know this guy just seems to have less and less of an impact mm. as every season goes by and it, and from being a very good player once upon a time you know in the Argentinian national team so him second I'm going to go Hilaire third and I'm going to go do it fourth so yeah. I agree entirely I mean I know you're not a stat man mm. but there is in this day and age a stat for absolutely everything I would like to see the stat that shows how many clear cut chances Hilaire has had this season yeah because if the stat comes back and he's had 40 clear cut chances but he scored 7 then I think that's a very different conversation if he's had 9 and scored 7 then I think that probably moves more towards the favour of my argument in that he hasn't been getting the service true however in that argument a lot of the time you could argue he's not getting a chance because he's not making the right runs or he's not getting he's not physical enough in the penalty area or he's not getting the rebounds like a poacher would get you know there's you can twist stats to look mm. either way um the bottom line is no one can argue that they expected more from him. Like I said, whose fault that is, that's not what I'm saying. Mm. People expected more from him, and maybe we'll get that next year. I hope we get this. I'd love it if he scored 20, 25 goals next year. I would love that. Whether that will happen or not, I'm still very, very sceptical. And yes, you can tell us so, because we still won't give him the service. But all in my in my mind, all great forwards will score some goals regardless of the service because they'll create those opportunities. It's not like he's playing for, um, I don't know, Blayton Orient in the Premier League. You know, he will get chances that an average Premier League team will create. But mm. I mean, I, I disagree. I think as a striker, without service, you're just not going to score the goals. Um, yeah, I, yeah. Fa- fa- fundamentally, yes, that is true. Because you, if you don't get the ser- if the ball isn't mm. given to you, you can't. But getting service isn't always about right. I'm standing here, put the ball to my feet, and I'll score it. Mm. Getting service is making the right runs, getting in front of the defender, cutting in at the right time, getting the rebounds, reading the match situation as it's developing. People used to always say with Bobby Moore, he was that step ahead because he could see what was going to happen before it happened. Teddy. Sheringham, people used to say that about him as well, you know, yet I don't know if he does that, 
and that is about creating chances as well. It's it's about yeah. I mean, to a degree, I think you're right. You know, movement is a key part of being a striker. Massive. Yeah. It, well, it is. Of course, it is. But then at the same time. You know, yes, you can talk about the service into him, but you can also look into it a little bit further and say, with West Ham, you know, I'm still to this day not really clear on what sort of identity we have as a football club in terms of our style of play. You know, what philosophy do we have? We talk about not playing to his strengths. Well, what strengths do we actually play to? And this is the problem, and, and part of the problem is... I can't remember the last time we had a manager where that was clear and we picked players to fit a formation rather than a formation to pick players. Well, if you look at it statistically, we've played to Antonio's strengths and he's scored as many goals as he has. Yeah, but then collectively, the lads have, have pulled it out of the bag, haven't they? Yeah, but... But then, but then again, so you're saying with Halea... Um, I don't think Halea would have scored as many goals as Antonio has scored in this time uh, if he played the same I mean, Yeah, I mean, it is an argument. But then again, a previous argument I've had, in the rare occasion before lockdown where West Ham have played well, you could argue that Halea has also played well. When we've played well um, post-lockdown, Halea hasn't been playing. Now, the, again, there's another sub-argument there to say how well would he have played if West Ham were performing. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's... <laughs> It's just difficult to say, isn't it? I mean, I just think every time he's come on as a sub, by your own admission, he's come on and done very well. I wouldn't say very well. Well, I think he's done well well with limited time being on the pitch. And and, and I think you can say he's done well because sometimes the amount of time he's been on the pitch as a sub, it's barely even enough time to impact the game whatsoever. Mm. But I think when he's come on, his hold-up play's been well. Uh, He's been good in the air. I've actually seen him direct headers that have come towards him productively going yeah, to other players which was another discussion yeah, we had on the podcast as well that, yeah. and he also very very nearly scored a quality goal didn't he we lobbed it over someone's head what game was oh, that yeah on the volley um, um, so actually he's come on and we've mm. agreed that he's done well as a substitute yeah and he's United done well way. yeah he's done well mm. in games where West Ham have played well so you just don't know how many goals he would have scored mm. in a thriving team since post lockdown another argument would have been maybe we wouldn't have done as well if he would have been in the team. You just don't know. But a £45 million at his age, given his key attributes as to why he was signed, if we can get a manager intelligent enough to get the best out of his players in their best positions, in, in the way David Moyes wants to play, and I don't know the answer to that, to be honest with you, then you may well see the best out of him next season. If Hilaire doesn't fit the way David Moyes wants to play then he shouldn't be at West Ham. Mm-hmm. Hilaire should be sold. Yeah. You know, for for example, if a manager was to come in and say, right, I like playing a 4-3-3, I want Hilaire to be my target man with two strikers either side of him, that is implementing a philosophy that plays to your player's strengths. But if you're signing a player that is proven to play very well in a forward three, but you absolutely will not budge from a 4-4-2 then maybe you're not going to get the best out of Sebastian Allaire. And this, again, comes down to the recruitment and drilling down into, yes, this player is a good player, but will he fit into the way we play at West Ham? Mm. So there's counter-arguments left, right and centre. 100%. And I think, without jumping into my section too much, I think unless we get a substantial offer for him, which is near what we paid, so £40 I guess, and above, that I think he will be here next year mm. and we will then have two seasons to judge this guy. Yeah, and that's and, fair, and yeah. then I think at the end of that, if we're still if we still see another five, six, seven goals from him, I think we need to draw the line on it. Um but So what because... would what would 
a gold tally B that you'd be happy I with? I think for 45 million, I'd be expecting like 14, 15 mm. goals. No, I think that's fair. And, I, and like, you know, it doesn't even have to, you know, you can still score goals for not the greatest teams. You know, mm. Jamie Vardy was the top scorer um, from Leicester who didn't make the top four. I can't even remember where they finished now, but they were close. A Bobby, a boy, where his name, a Bobby Yang <laughs> was second, and he didn't play for a top four team. Mm. Um, you know, so you can score goals, not for necessarily the top size. Kevin Phillips scored thirty one, did he, for Sunderland once mm. upon a time? Um, you know, so you can get goals for lower placed teams. Um, so we shall see. We shall see what he's like next mm-hmm. year. We've talked about that man so fucking much. Seriously, <laughs> no. I actually really oh, no. want him to do well, just so I can say, look, I was wrong. Yeah, there we go. I thought um, you was going to say, I really want him just to fuck off. <laughs> to be honest, I probably would take that as well. But, um, I just don't want to hear that fucking man name again. Seriously, and the amount of stick I've got yeah. because of him yeah. as well. All right, just would love to see the back of that situation. Um, Best match um, again: Chelsea away one nil. Chelsea at home three two. Manchester United at home two nil. Um, Norwich away four nil. I was talking between putting Norwich or the Bournemouth one. Um, we won four yeah. nil as well. Yeah. Um, I, again, I think because of it, because of everything that game meant. I think I'd struggle to go past Chelsea away. And it's also because none of us expected it either, did we? Yeah. Um, See, I think I'm going to go with the Chelsea home game on this one because right. I'm thinking of the best match. And I'm thinking in terms oh, of... Oh, what, best match in terms of entertainment? Yeah, that and also in terms of importance, I think is the two things in my head. Because, yes, entertainment. Because it was like, you know, we scored, they scored. Yeah. They went 2 and up, didn't they? We made it 2 all goal, like a VAR came in and then we won in the last minute. So in terms of entertainment, I think that one. But also the significance of it, because those three points yeah. we weren't expecting to get, in, especially after the performances against... Um, Wolves and Tottenham before that so to get those three points it was so significant I think in our ability to stay up you could argue the Watford game was as well and I didn't actually put that one in but mm. I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna go with that one yeah it's, sorry mate I think that is actually a no-brainer for me I'm going the Chelsea home win as well now okay. now I've understood the question a bit better um um, sorry, a message. Um, loan players who you want to see play next season. So these are players that went out on loan, did quite well. And I was really torn because there was a few that did do quite well, but I could only include four. Mm. So I went with Nathan Holland. So I tried to do a variety um, of sort of positions, although having said that, <laughs> there's two that are quite similar. Trot, the keeper. Um, so Holland went to Oxford, got injured, unfortunately. Trot was at... Um, Wimbledon, AFC Wimbledon, um, Dean Garner, who was obviously at West Brom, and Hugo, who was at QPR, scored 15 goals. You could have gone with Cullen, who did really well at Charlton. Yeah. You could have done Coventry, who was at Lincoln. Um, but I went with those four. So Holland, Trot, Dean Garner, and Hugo, who are you most excited for? I think you'd season? have to say Dean Garner for me, because he, he's done so well at West Brom. And I obviously think a lot of him. And, and every time... I hear about West Brom winning or performing well. His name is always mentioned. So he's obviously had an incredible season. I'd like to see where he ranked in the uh, Player of the Year, actually, at West Brom. Because he must have been up there. So I think for that reason... And he actually did all right at West Ham before he went to West Brom as well. For that reason, I think I'd have to go with Grady. With, With Nathan... 
every time I, I hear about him playing at West Ham at under 23 level, it just seems like he's ripping it up to a point where it's too easy for him. And you get excited by that, and he looks pacey, and he scores goals and creates goals. He looks like such a prospect, and I know you speak very highly of him as well. However, his potential injury record is a real concern for yeah. me, and it's such a shame because I'm so excited to see him get his opportunity in the first team and, and take that with two hands. I, I'm just not sure I'll ever see it. But as for the other two, yeah, not so much. I think, yeah, it's quite an easy one for me, really, Grady. Yeah, I think Grady, and for me, I think the position, arguably, that is the most exciting to watch as a spectator is a winger that's pacey, skillful, takes people on, yeah. gets down the wing, whips crosses in and so on. And, mm. you know, you look at Matty Everington as, a, as someone that stands out for that. Uh, back in the day, Stuart Slater, um, even Mark Robson, I remember being a bit like that. Um, you look through other players, uh, Sinclair, I guess, when he played there. You know, there's been wingers that are really, really exciting. And I think Dean Garner potentially could be like that. And so I think I would go with him as well. Hugo, yes, he scored a lot of goals in the championship. I just don't think he's Premier League quality. Nathan Trott, keeper. I don't know how well he did at Wimbledon. I haven't heard as many glowing reports. As you say, Nathan Holland, I really do rate him when he's fit. Um, he, But he's only sort of done it at League One level at the moment. Mm. So, you know, you kind of want him to have a championship period of doing that. Cullen, you could argue. But, you know, Cullen's like, I think, 18 months younger than Suchek or something like that. Yeah. And you look at the difference in their contributions. Mm. Coventry, I think, is a very, very good player. Um perhaps should have maybe been given more minutes than he was he was on the bench three or four times bring him on for five minutes you know mm. uh, particularly if the game's already won but yeah I think um, Dean Garner for me as well um, best goal now I found this hard because no one helps me with this one mm. so this was just from my memory and my memory's a bit shocking at the moment so the only ones I could remember were Hilaire's versus Watford which was the overhead kick yeah um, Rice versus Watford which was that long range curling one and um, Cresswell well, versus Man United, which was a free kick outside the area. Yeah. Um, and Yarmolenko against Chelsea, where he cut in. And yeah, yeah. No, all good goals. Uh, I, I just can't see past Declan for that. Yeah, I agree. I think he's actually pissed that, to be honest. Yeah. And partly I, I, because... I might be forgetting a goal. In my head, there's a goal that we scored that was a great team move where he passed it around a lot and finished it. But I just couldn't remember which one that was without watching it back. So When we beat Man United at home, that wasn't this season with the Anderson flick was it because this season's been so long you know when we beat them was it I remember the flick but I couldn't tell yeah we beat them 2-0 this season yeah and then I think there was a bit of a team goal there which ended up as a cross into Anderson and he he, was it he, he flicked scored? it. No, oh, it was Anderson. Anderson oh yeah, maybe, um, maybe, yeah, maybe that was this season. Yeah. I, I, I mean, this I, think, se- I think you might be right. This actually, season yeah. has, has so thrown me off yeah. with what happened when. It's unbelievable. However, even if you include that, Declan's strike against Watford was just unbelievable. Yeah, I think so too. Um, only a few more left now. Worst performance. Uh, opening day, Man City, Neil, uh, West Ham, Neil, Man City, five, um, Oxford, four, West Ham, Neil in the cup, Roberto's debut, <laughs> um, where he barely moved for any of the shots, Burnley, three, Neil mm. away, uh, Leicester, four, one away. Oh, bloody and hell. There was, there was others. I could have put in there Brighton at home with three, one up, that ended up three all. Um, uh, oh, yeah, there, 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 there really has been so Leicester many. Leicester at home where we got, uh, where uh, really got sacked. I think for for the 
level of embarrassment it caused us. I think you've got to go Oxford. I think so as well. Yeah, that was just that. And that should have been enough. The Seekers Roberto played that game, was at fault for pretty much every goal, yeah. didn't move for them. Then we had Bournemouth, where Fabianski came back, and that was when Fabianski got injured. Yeah. Roberto came in, and then the rest is, yeah. Rest yeah. is history. Um, player you've missed the most. So this is someone that we sold in the summer or the previous season that then obviously didn't play this year. Um, Anatovic, Obiang, Andy Carroll, or Hernandez? Um, as much as I can't stand the man, thinking with my head over my heart, it'd have to be Anatovic. Yeah, I think so. In terms of contributions to the team, I mean, I liked Andy Carroll when he played, but he didn't play very often. Nah. Um, Hernandez, on a reputation scale, was mm. a big-name player to have, and mm. I felt, again, maybe like Hilaire, didn't get necessarily mm. get the service. Yeah, that he... his game-to-goal ratio was yeah, pretty good. Well, is that all? Then maybe that's Bizarrely. an against Hilaire. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And actually backs up what I was saying before, <laughs> because Hernandez still seemed to score. Yeah. Perez seemed to score when he came on. Yeah, but, um, uh, I mean, again, I don't know what the goal tallies were, but... No. Um, but I think you're right. And now to Vich, you can see I was running out of ideas by now at this point. So mm. I think I'd go over now to Vich. And last question, um, your favourite kit, the home one, the away one, the third one. So the home one's obviously the claret with the blue on the top. The away one's the white one, like the 1980 Cup final. The third one's the sort of purpley pink one. Um, a purple main body pink on the sort of ends of the sleeves and so on. Or the goalkeeper's kits. Uh, probably the home. Yeah. So I think I'd go with the away for that. I oh, like the kind of classic 1980s um, away white one. I liked all of them last year, to be fair. I yeah. liked the home. I like the third shirt. Um, my t- I've got three kids, two girls and a boy, and the girls look good in that purple third yeah. shirt. Um, so I kind of like all of them. Um, but I think i go with the away purely because it reminds me of the 1980 Cup final. Yeah, no, that's a fair shout. That's a fair shout. I do think... Um... Uh, the third kit for this season looks nice. Yes, that is going to be a good one. Yeah, yeah I, I like I looking at that a lot. I sent you the picture of that, yeah. didn't I? Yeah. So we we have seen the third kit. I've described it on the podcast mm. before, and it was going to come in my section, but I've already described it. It is gold. Uh, sorry, black, but with gold like badge and Betway in gold, and I think that is by far the best kit this year. So yeah, I agree. I think that's going to be the best kit of this season, but of last season, I'd go with the away shirt. But what we're going to do is I'll tweet these out on the West Ham Way um, Twitter account with the four options as described. Give us your votes. We'll see how similar um, you were to Dave and I um, and we'll read out what the results were mm. in two weeks time. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what everyone else thinks. So yeah. uh, I'll keep an eye on those polls. It'd be good. Now, continuing the theme of awards, it's time to announce the final results of our West Ham Way Premier League predictions competition. After accumulating 4,065 points and getting a best week score that was more than anyone in the top four, at X Specs finishes in fifth place and wins two free tickets to a pre-match event of his choice and free entry into next season's competition. Ahead of him in fourth place is a man that jumped three places from seventh on the final week to also secure himself two free tickets to the pre-match event of his choice and free entry into next season's competition. It's at John Guyver with 4,121 points. Well done, John. Then in third place is a man who has consistently been in that top five throughout the season and despite having a relatively bad score in week 38, he keeps his place and wins £50 cash, two free tickets to a pre-match event of his choice and free entry into next season's competition. In second place, after a gruelling clash 
with the competition's winner is Gary Prince. Now, Gary accumulated 406 points alone on bonuses. Really? Which is wow. the, yeah, it's massive. Wow. Which is the highest in the top five. Um, with a points tally of 4,279, he's won himself £100 cash, two free tickets to an event of his choice, and free entry into next season's competition. So now for the winner. So he beat second place by just 89 points. Really? So that's pretty close is, uh, when you're talking about thousands over a season. Yeah. Uh, he was spot on with his prediction 49 times this season. <laughs> Hope you bet on some of those. Yeah, absolutely. You would do, wouldn't yeah. you? Um, he doesn't need the money from this competition, no. clearly, if he yeah, has done. Exactly. Uh, with his best week achieving 235 points, that man wow. is at Treaders 1990. So, Treaders, you've won yourself £150 in cash, two season tickets to the West Ham Way pre-match event, a signed replica 1975 FA Cup final winning shirt signed by Billy Bonds, an appearance on this very podcast and free entry into the competition next season. We'll be in touch with the top five to arrange the prize giving. But well done to everyone who played this season, all 690 of you. Myself and X uh, hope that you'll play again next season and we'll shortly be releasing the details of how to do so. So watch this space. In terms of me and X oh, in this competition. I was thinking, he hasn't said it. You know, you know, because I, was, I wasn't sure whether to keep quiet then because I was thinking, is he going to go the whole time about saying And I was going to try and make a joke because, because the guy was called Treaders, wasn't he? So yeah. I was going to say, tread carefully with those prizes and just try and distract you. But then I thought, no, I'll keep quiet because he hasn't said it yet. Here we go. Dave won. Well, I've got well to done. give everyone the final standings, you, mate. No They're going to be wondering. No They're going to be thinking, it, was it close between Dave no, and X? No, 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 who no, won? Who did no, X pick Dave to the post? No one cares. <laughs> apart, from, apart from you. So they're not. We can go to my section now. X got to go. over that anymore, is it? Like, <laughs> cut this. So, you, you're making me start all over again now. Oh, God. In terms of me and X in this competition, um, I'm delighted <laughs> to tell you that I finished in a respectable 46th place. That is actually very good, mate. Don't Thanks, mate. Down. I appreciate that. Missed a few weeks as well. You know, if I would have got those weeks in, who knows where I'd have finished. Poor organisation, I suppose. <laughs> so, but that's not anyone else's fault. Well, so, when it comes to poor skills in general, we'll come to your place in a no, minute. No, I have to hold you together with my organisational <laughs> skills. And that's been shown there. <laughs> but I think that is a respectable 46th is, place. Yeah. Me old compadre... Finished a whopping, <laughs> humongous, 85 places lower in 131st. But, mate, you, how many players did you say was in the game? 650 <laughs> or something, right? 130. I think only 600. 150 predicted, but <laughs> 690 <laughs> ended the competition. So, it's actually not as bad as you point <laughs> out, okay? And actually, I'd like to see how we did comparatively with the West Ham scoring, because I think that my knowledge... Doesn't really count for much, no, though, mate. Listen, and, and, at the table. and anyway, next year, we're going to also do fantasy football. Oh, I, I can't be bothered yeah, with all that bollocks. Enough, but yeah. you need to... No, we need to... Much because do this, much no, more fun. Yeah, because and I just seem to be so good at it. It's funny, you know. This, how much money did you make from it? Such a golf indifference to me and you. Surprise! Did you put any money again, on? Mate? Did you put any money on? Yeah, yeah, I've earned a fortune. From it. <laughs> yeah, right. So you're still selling your boxes again every time. I expensive boxes, mate. <laughs> okay, expensive yeah. boxes. Won't be skidding these ones up, mate. Won't with you, Bob. <laughs> no, listen, listen. All I will say, right, is the be- the best champions are those that come from like you know a few setbacks, a few hits in their career, and so on. I will. That's be- more like a massive. 
whack. No, I will be back next year and I will be better and I will be concentrating much more on form. (laughs) This has been a very, very, very unpredictable season because we've had COVID, we've had things thrown out. Well, it's been it's been a season where if you don't know much about football, you can do well because you've got to take out. (laughs) Oh, I like that one. You've got to take out. That's a beauty. That one. Take out the the fact that there's no crowd influences (laughs) on the games. It does does because that's why you know home advantage was suddenly blown out of the window. You know because there was no home advantage really. You know you had players playing with potential COVID that we didn't know about. You know because we only started to do tests from like March onwards in January, February. Freak results could have been caused by players playing with COVID for all we know. Right? Okay. And (laughs) so why didn't you call this then? It's obviously a philosophy that no one else has cottoned on to. Because it's unpredictable. Ah, well, it wasn't for the other hundred and thirty. Yeah, they just know that it's unpredictable because it's random. So they put random right. scores. They were oh, like, it's luck, is yeah, it? Yeah, basically. Oh, so they, so they were see. putting like Sheffield United. Do you read that, Treaders? <laughs> Sheffield United v West Ham. Ah, oh, no, four five. Um, <laughs> Norwich versus Tottenham. Ah, <laughs> uh, one seven. You know, there's Frank so doing there, trying to predict as it should have been, <laughs> but with the, then the crowd were taken away, and then all of these factors. Brilliant. I love so, the fact that you've blamed. Losing to me oh, by eighty-five places, I think it was on COVID nineteen. Well, that is just beautiful. COVID nineteen has destroyed twenty twenty for me, <laughs> so what, it might as well destroy this as well. I'm going to blame everything that I've ever done wrong on COVID twenty twenty. Do, do you know what though? The only thing is, I mean, I'm having so much fun with you on this, and I have done for weeks now. I'm shitting myself for no, next season because I know you, and I know yeah. if you get on top, you're yeah. going to be relentless I, uh, with me. And now, and you're going to love it if you beat uh, me. Uh, Bloody will, love it. I will love it. And the thing, and the thing is, right, I am going to work so hard at this. Seriously. I'm gonna look at form tables. Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna speak to people. I'm gonna <laughs> seriously check because I admit, right? Since becoming a West Ham ITK, my football knowledge, or since doing being X, whatever you want to call it, my fo- general football knowledge has fallen catastrophically mm. out the window because I spend too much time looking at West Ham. See that from the table. Well, so in fantasy football, to relate it back to that, there was once upon a time, and to people that play this game, you'll understand how good this was. Once upon a time, I came 137 in the whole of the Premier League fantasy football I was the second highest scoring West Ham fan before I was X yeah and if you look at my history which you can do on fantasy football prior to like 2012 I was bang up there every single year boom 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 then I became X and I had to focus most of my attention on West Ham news yeah it dominates everything I, half the time I don't know what's happening at other clubs yeah unless Hello, someone tells darkness, me my <laughs> and, and shush and this is important <laughs> the, under the listeners understand this and so I've let so, <laughs> so I've, I've let, by the way he's fucking raging at the moment <laughs> so, he's so, not just doing this for the benefit of the show he's fucking fuming so I've let <laughs> so I've let my guard down I have I've let my guard down okay hands up I've been lax a day school I've had three kids you know I've got a boy that keeps me up all hours I got promoted in my jobs so I've had more stress there everything has not been has not been channeled this, this is the game. best post competition interview <laughs> 
in the history of post-competition put, interviews. Put it this way, I will be back. <laughs> and when I'm back, I will make you feel so but small. You, you know, you saying that you used to be really good at fantasy football, yeah. but have crashed in this, is a bit like me saying I was brilliant at shot put at sports day, but I'd never won the fucking 100 metres. <laughs> I can't work, I can't get in around that. No, it, listen, it all to do with being ex. And, and if I retire <laughs> from being ex, which is on the agenda... You possibly, might need to give yourself more time to concentrate on I mean. this league. That's what I mean, yeah. exactly that. I need yeah. to. I need to concentrate on getting back to the importance of winning this game. <laughs> and it's very, very high at the moment. So, yeah, I think for this reason alone, everyone should sign up next year. <laughs> just so that I can see it. Just so I can beat you as well. Yeah, yeah. Oh, bless him. Bless him. Um, but on a serious note, thanks again. We hope you've had as much fun as we have. Well, I, I have. I have anyway. No, I've had none. <laughs> in fact, stay well away from this game. <laughs> I bet you won't even enter next season. No, hey, I'll exactly. fucking this bollocks. Exactly. They're doing that again. Um, <laughs> but congratulations to the prize winners and uh, we look forward to seeing you all compete again next season and like I say watch this space because uh, the competition will be relaunched just before the season and uh, we'll give you the links to do that again but it's been good fun uh, at least for one of us anyway but the transfer window is now open and if you're a West Ham fan that can only mean one thing Mate, in light of what you've been saying recently, with how much aggravation it can be for you at times, being the ITK that you are, how do you feel about going into another transfer window? Um, I'm not particularly excited. I'm going to be honest with you. Like, like back in the day, I shouldn't really say this because you know, obviously, it's was my bread and butter. It's kind of got me to the amazing opportunities that I have had. Um. But back in the day, it was just much more fun. For some reason, I got more of a buzz. Um, like I, it was just better in some ways. Now it's already started, and um, you know, if I talk about any club like a player like I did with a jetty or or Bryce or Chelsea, I get millions of the other clubs that say, "Oh, what do you know? Who the fuck you?" It's just fine. I can deal with that. It don't really bother me. Like, but it's just frustrating every time having to explain. And then I don't get it. Like the West Ham Way um, admin tweeted out something today on the West Ham Way account, and I totally agree with it. Already, you've got your. Um, agent, ex-agent or West Ham this or some random picture with some name and it's always some agent that suddenly got con- no, some person suddenly got contacts to agents and they'll start off and they'll have the same type of picture it's like this kind of like a professional like you know Lincoln picture like LinkedIn I mean picture um, and they'll um they'll start off and they'll have minimal followers and then they'll they won't ever follow me they'll follow all the other big West Ham accounts but they won't follow me because they want to look like they don't mm. look at what I'm doing mm. so yeah, that's not an obvious sign and then they'll and then they'll put um you know they'll put what the West Ham fans want to hear mm. so at the moment obviously everyone wants Eze to sign so they'll put is a move much more likely than it seems, or is a move moving closer, or blah, 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 so that people go, yes, 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 retweet, he's coming, retweet, 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 and then and then they have, their popularity grows and grows and grows, and they chance things, so they chance transfers, they know what's going on generally, because they hear it from, from me or for others, and then they chance things, and they try to say things to get there first, and they'll do it, they'll do it a couple of times, like they'll turn around and they'll say, let's pick Eze again, Eze will join West Ham, now, if he doesn't, then they're automatically ruled themselves out of the business. But more often than not, they'll get one or two right like that. And everyone goes, 
bang, they're the new guy. They called this one first. They mm. called this one first. And really, it's about guessing. And the other thing that's frustrating is, you know, there's some accounts that come up every window, same ones, and fair play, they're quite consistent. But they'll give you two bits of news throughout the whole window, yeah? And generally, they'll be right on it because they're picking the two things that they've heard and they'll put it out there and then they'll say and then everyone will be like oh my god he's nailed it he called this one he called this one mm. if I was to pick two things to say the whole year that would justify whether I was ITK or not mm. I could smash that it would be so easy you know whereas I without meaning to big myself up but I do the team every single week I haven't got it wrong for two years the kits the colours of the kits the launches of it the fixture changes injury news um, mm. you know players that are elite transfer news stuff have to do with the stadium trevor brookie giving the awards at the stadium i cover so much like that yet these itks can only ever talk about transfers why why do they not know anything else if they've got all these contacts in the mm. in the game why can't they tell you about this or tell you about that it's because they're not they're not genuine mm. and west ham has fall for it every single summer and this gets to the point now where i'm just like mate i just give up with this now but i haven't made the decision yet i'm going away next week so we'll see and you know it's hard to give up when it's kind of what you've done for a long time but it's just not enjoyable really and then you just get the abuse online and stuff and just thank god mm. i try bother maybe i'm too old for all of this now um but i'll stick to the podcast i will still do the events and you know maybe that you know we'll do everything else that we do and maybe i'll still do team news and injuries things like that but i might just bail out on transfers and let everything else happen something interesting will come out at the end of this window as well um i'm not going to say too much but something will come out at the end of this window and I'll be able to show people in September and people will be like, oh my God, like what the fuck? I can't say it now because it will defeat the whole point, but there is something and I'll leave that little tester and it will all be revealed, but it will show how things work. Put it that way. Right. Fucking hell, wishing they were vast now. I know, exactly. exactly. (laughs) Right, so on that note, what have you got for us this week? Nothing. (laughs) Um, So, yeah. uh, Right, let's go for it, okay? Um, So, basically... I don't even know where to start because there's been so much. The priority for West Ham at the moment, as I said repeatedly on these things, um, is to that we need to sell before we can buy, right? So that means getting rid of some of the big hitters. So your likes of Andersons, your Lanzinis, your um, Yarmolenkos maybe, if possible, your Wilshers. Although I doubt anyone's going to take him. Your, your, your fullbacks. If people pay, make an offer for Fredericks, I know last week I said I thought he might stay... But I think if the right offer comes in for him, I don't think they're going to actively try and sell him. But I think with Ben Johnson performing how he has done, if the right offer comes in for Fredericks, they'd let him go. He's on big wages as well. If Cresswell, right offer comes in for him, I think he'll go. Masaraku, I think they bat Balbuena. I think they want to really reshape things. So they're looking to sell a number of players. Obviously, they've already... Oh, Jetty is another one. Obviously, they've already got Sanchez and um, Zabaleta off the wage bill. Roberto is another. So they need to sell before they buy which is which comes into the whole SA situation now they clearly we clearly do want to sign SA. he's someone that i've reported for months and months and months that's another thing that people need to understand a lot of times on the forums it's like oh it's just recycles news that's already out there the news is out there it's because i've said it two three months ago hence why i do the eyes and the the mm. thing just to show that just so to shut that stuff up but basically he's been wanted for a long time now 
but Crystal Palace have moved in ahead of us and they've pretty much, I think, agreed or close to agreeing the terms for him. They're likely to sell Zaha, so he's kind of like a quite similar like-for-like replacement. So what we want to do is we want to sell Anderson to finance the Eze deal. Now, if we sign and if we sell Anderson, that money would go towards Eze, but it could be too late because he could have already joined Palace. We wanted to offer Hugo to them. Our valuations of Hugo is very different to QPR. If we was to value Hugo, I think we'd be looking at six to eight million. But other clubs value him at I, what I said as like four million. And the reason they do that is because his wages are huge. His wages are approximately forty thousand. So you've got to factor in the fact that you've got to pay not just the transfer fee but these large wages which a lot of championship clubs can't afford to do so they're going to put um hugo as um a, a makeshift in the deal but I, you know his value is still not enough for us to be able to buy unless we sell anderson according to the club the club might get to the situation when they think right we're going to lose Eze here we're going to put in the offer but the moment they want to sell because the priority for david Moyes' defenders and money had been put aside for defenders if we couldn't sell players so it's not much, but it's for the for the defenders. So to go for Eze, who's an attacking midfielder, before you fixed your main problem, there's that dilemma. Um, so um, they've already tried to sell a jetty. A jetty went went to Scotland, had talks with Celtic um, about a loan move there. There was going to be a loan move with a a very short clause to then be made permanent so i think it was like a minimal amount of games i can't i don't know the exact figure but it might have been if he played five times for celtic then it became permanent um so he was going to go to celtic but the player has changed his mind um uh so got a lot of stick from this from celtic fans telling me i'm a bullshitter and he's had his medical today well let's see how that medical went if that's true but he's changed his mind um and he won't he's actually in switzerland at the moment um so do you know why he's changed his mind because i think fine because I think financially he thinks he can get a better package elsewhere also West Brom are looking around and you've got the dilemma do you play for Celtic clearly the best team in Scotland where you will score a lot of goals and play in the Champions League but it's a bit of a one if two, two horse race there no mm. one takes that league particularly seriously um, in terms of how it shows what sort of player you are um, do you do that or do you play for a West Brom or a, a someone like that where you're not going to be in a winning team regularly, but you might be able to be convinced other Premier League clubs? So I think he's just weighing up his options. The deal to Celtic was pretty much done, but he retracted it. And I know that West Ham are annoyed with that because they wanted to get him off the wage bill and get that process moving. So it's on his side and not, and not ours. Do you know um, what the deal was? Permanently, if he I think played it was five about games. five million, right. about five so we've million. Taken a hit on that. Yeah, so he cost us about eight, I think, eight or nine with clauses. So it was, I think it was about five million, roughly. Um, the other thing that broke yesterday by a journalist um, that said that Rice had Chelsea had accepted a bit. No, what was it? Chelsea had bit. Rice was forcing a move out of West Ham to go to Chelsea. Basically, he's demanding to leave and Chelsea are set to bid for him. And categorically, that did not happen. Of course, most of Chelsea's fan base wouldn't believe me, but it's because this was a journalist saying this. But trust me, journalists do not know as much as they're less in the know for 
for one club than people like me because they have to spread their knowledge across every single club they can't mm. focus on one club like i do their knowledge is not it doesn't matter if you're a journalist that just means you write for a paper i've been offered to write for papers before you know it doesn't mean what people seem to think it does and off how often a journalist wrong anyway mm. Mm. um so this a lot guy, of it's clickbait as well oh it, it is yeah so that. this guy i can't remember his name now duncan something um he um he said that rice had demanded to leave right would not do that two days after winning Hammer of the Year mm. he is not that sort of person <laughs> even if he wanted to join Chelsea which probably a part of him does I'm not going to put a lie to that you know I'm not saying he does or he doesn't but there would be an element in anyone's mind the club he supported you know his family will support them Champions League chance to progress you know more money more, more money whatever you think of Chelsea they are a better club than us right now um, so of course and if you supported them all your life you would be tempted he um, but that is not he has not demanded to leave he would not do that Declan Rice would manage that situation a million times better if he wanted to leave no bidders even came in for Chelsea Chelsea don't have the money I believe to put in what we would want to sell at at this point they need to move on Kante or Jorginho or someone like that or their keeper they, their main priority is their keeper Frank Lampard I've got reasonably decent sources at Chelsea in fact I've probably got better sources at Chelsea than that journalist and then I've got the sources at West Ham Frank Lampard does not rate Kepa at all and wants him out and I know that's publicly known but he wants him just gone for so many reasons their focus is on keeper and other positions yes they do want to sign Rice but that has categorically not happened you wrote a pleading email to Declan Rice <laughs> as you as you confessed to on the show last week yeah. Declan Rice interviewed for us before he'd ever played for West Ham yeah. um, on the West Ham way he also then interviewed for us on the podcast yeah. Declan Rice is someone that both you and I are able to speak to people close to him mm -hmm. and find out what the truth is mm. now Declan's the ultimate professional so he wouldn't ever tell me anything but it's not hard to speak to people close to Declan that can tell you whether Chelsea, whether he's demanded a move or not mm. and will tell you the truth and they have said that that's not happened mm. it's been denied everywhere but you know these things in transfer windows people hear what they want to hear so yeah that I'm not saying that Declan Rice won't join Chelsea don't get me wrong they could, it could happen you know it could happen this summer if Chelsea and Manchester United who are very keen on him put a bid in for him who knows what will happen if they meet our agreement I don't know I'd like to think he'd stay he loves the club he's hammer of the year he's very passionate about us but anyone would be tempted by those clubs mm. he, I would be tempted if I was playing for West Ham I would be tempted by Chelsea and Manchester United I would as much as I love West Ham if you're thinking of yourself as a career it's much better to play for Manchester United or Chelsea than it is West Ham. I'm sorry, mm. as much as we Fucking love Fucking Judas. I know, but it is, it is. And I'd like to, I'd love, obviously, I'd much rather be Mark Noble and be a, a, like a West Ham legend. But if you don't have that connection, mm. you know, anyway, so that, that really annoyed me. So, Rice, because that hasn't happened, it's wrong to put that against the mm. player that he's demanded to leave when he well, hasn't. It's shit stirring, isn't it? That's what it, it is. is. And he hasn't done that. Um, so, um, as we said before, um, Moyes wants to sign defenders right backs left backs um, centre backs I've listed many of these on the show you know some that have been covered in the press recently Robinson's still been talked about Manning's been talked about um, they're all true um, De lot of Manchester United that one's got some legs um, Moyes is looking at um, apparently Kenny of Everton not sure if that one's true or not but that's what someone else has said but he definitely wants to sign defenders definitely 
Um, we were talking about if we don't get Eze, we are interested in Ben Harima of Brentford, as we are Watkins and Henry of them. They're currently 1-0 up against Swansea, so it'll be interesting to see what happens in their playoff game. Um, Roberto does have interest from Spanish clubs. We might be able to even command a bit of a transfer fee for him. It won't won't be huge, but we might even be able to get a quarter of a million, half a million. These scouts must have fucking cataracts or something. Exactly. I don't know what he's been doing in Spain, but um, he might get a chance. Matty Longstaff came out. That was annoying that that one broke because that was going to be in my section this this week, but it is already out there. But you just have to look at players that are out of contract. Him, Fraser, there's quite a few that we would potentially sign because we don't have any money so we've got to look at those players um, in terms of forwards we will at the moment be keeping Hilaire but we want to sign another backup one to replace a jetty I've talked about some of the championship ones uh, Maya I think his name is has been linked he's the guy um, or Major the guy that plays in Bordeaux was at Sunderland oh Major Boys. Josh Major, Major. Sky yeah. Sports have reported yeah, that they today have, as well yeah there has been links to him I've mentioned him on the show yeah, previously yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. there's been links to him and I think they're probably genuine if he if he leaves Bordeaux seems to have quite a lot of potential that guy um, Dion McGee is a Manchester United youngster that is potentially joining um, from their youth team he's been released by them um, and there's lot of Moyes and Antonio in the running for player of the month for manager of the month I think um, so there's loads of stuff here I mean literally I've tweeted so much I'm in danger of repeating myself a lot here mm. so I'm trying to balance between the podcast and tweeting um, in terms of things not connected to transfer transfers i want to do a shout out um to a lad that um spoke to me uh, over instagram and then um twitter um who uh asked if we do a shout out because he and his mates all listen to the show and they're currently serving out in um afghanistan at the moment and i thought that was like you know he said that they all sort of huddle around and have a listen and stuff and i thought that was um really quite a, a good mm. thing and really quite nice to think that we're sort of the people out there are able to do that and his name's Stuart Stone um so shout out to Stuart Stone his twitter handle is um s stone 7457 so shout out to you mate and thank you for all you and your um mates out there are doing for absolutely. the country yeah uh, big, big respect. respect to you and you boys absolutely 100% yeah good luck to you um i'd like to also do a shout out to a guy called martin gales now um depending on what sort of group i guess in twitter you fall into he was quite a significant person on twitter um kind of old school to coin a popular phrase um you know he he was sort of friends with sort of like a good group of lads that go to um many of the away games together and certainly the home games um Gail Preston's in that group and you know his sons and a few other people but Martin and I never saw eye to eye to start with in fact he was actually I think at one point on my blocked list he was quite <laughs> quite critical um, to the point where I find, found it a bit insulting but actually once I got to know him a little bit through like what Gail told me and a few other people told me I actually realised that he's just very honest and actually despite what people think of me if someone can make so, uh, honest opinion not be personal but an honest opinion on something that i do or i can take it and i can hear it and i heard his opinions kind of to an extent he had a point about certain things i was doing i listened to him did actually take it on board and it became this thing where we'd obviously banter with each other and stuff and i used to take the piss out of him because he'd forever be having new west ham accounts and stuff um because he'd always get banned um <laughs> and we'd have this bad and sometimes i would say to him listen mate 
what people are giving me a bit of stick on this thing what do you think about it? give me your honest opinion and he would he'd just like you like you are with me he'd give me that brutal honest opinion which i need at times um and i and i actually very valued it and he became someone i was quite fond of unfortunately it was really weird like a couple of weeks ago i was thinking i haven't heard from him from a while so i was gonna sort of touch base and because he's got so many different bloody accounts i couldn't actually remember what account he was on and then it kind of slipped my mind i never got around to it and then i got a message saying unfortunately he'd passed away um from cancer and knowing him he probably wouldn't have told many people that um he'd have kept that to himself and um he's leaving like um it seems i don't i can't claim to know his family that well but certainly some children who are obviously very fond of him and a wife and so on and uh he seems to be a really popular guy it's very very sad that that's happened and you know i will miss having that interaction with him um and i just like to say a big respect to him because a couple of times he gave me an honest opinion which meant i made the right decision on certain things so rest in peace mate you know top man and uh yeah that's yeah, all I can say really. Well said, mate. Yeah, it's hard to add to that. I know that uh, his family have got a really good support network from his West Ham fan mates as well. I've learned yeah. that recently. Um, and yeah, just God bless him. It's very sad when we lose one of our own. And he sounds like a real feisty character. Yeah, I think was. that was yeah, the was. reputation yeah. that he had. And you know, he's a res- big lad. Yeah, yeah, I respect people like that. You know, me that, too. That mate, are just so, honest. Hundred percent. And something that pe- I respect in people is when people are like when I, I change my opinion of them. Sometimes mm. I kind of like you know when someone comes from you thinking I'll be honest. I thought he was a prick to start with. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. And I told him that. And then the fact that. I actually then became quite close to him. I quite like that sometimes mm. when you kind of re- get through, you know, initial opinions and actually realise that you're actually more similar than you realise type thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, mate, absolutely. Well, now uh, we've come to the end of another season. Uh, as always, mate, I want to congratulate you for your accuracy and reliability over the last 12 months. Just like the previous six or seven years, you've absolutely smashed it again. And uh, we all look forward to what you have to say during this transfer window. Let's hope it's something to be excited about. Yeah, thank you, mate. I appreciate you saying that. Let's let's hope we get some players in. We we need to have a quick, complete overhaul, I think. So, yeah, no, thank you. It's been pleasing to keep my 100% record on team selections and so on. So, yeah, appreciate it. One thing I would like to say, actually, while, while I um, think of it, is a big thank you to people that are continuing to donate. Oh, wow, uh, yeah. It's still, it's still pinned to yours and my Twitter, I think, and the link's still there. And, you know, without promoting it, and I know we obviously are now, but without promoting it, people are still making the donations yeah. here and there. And it makes a massive difference to us. You know, we, we didn't want to ram this down people's faces. It was meant to be optional which it is we wanted it to be something that could help us out just as a maybe you know a, you know i don't know not a thank you is the right word but just something if you wanted to help us out then you could because we like we said in the statement we were affected by a few things we continued to put the stuff on but people didn't have to donate and there's many worthy causes out there and they did you know we didn't go down the whole patron route where people pay us for content we just mm. give the same content if you want to make a donation you can and i you know people have said to me why don't I charge for the transfer news and stuff. Mm. That's not what you and I know about. We just want well, if people wanted to, then they could. And as we said, thank you to all those that have. I mean, it has actually helped us. I don't know if you want to sort of break some of the exciting things that we're thinking yeah, about doing. Yeah, I mean, firstly, just to add to that, I mean, you know, one phrase that's that's often said a lot within our fan base is the West Ham family. Yeah. And it's so true. You see it with charitable causes, you see it when it comes to 
looking after our own, really. Me and mm. you would do the same for any West Ham fan out mm. there. But to get it back, and do you know what? What what I think has meant as much um, with the donations is the comments that we got alongside yeah, those donations. Yeah, yeah. Because me and you were both a little bit worried about getting some yeah. stick for mm. for ultimately kind of reaching out and saying, you know, if you want to put into the brand and in some respect get us out of a bit of shit then you're more than welcome to yeah. we didn't expect uh, what we've got um, but every penny that's been donated is going to a very very worthy cause there, there's a few areas that we're looking at um, the, the main ones really is a much needed small contingency pot for the events yeah. that might not necessarily go how we want them to go financially but we want to keep putting them on for West Ham fans keep being a bridge between fans and meeting their heroes and, and having a good crack and all being under one roof and having a drink and a laugh, which means the world to us and it obviously means the world to a lot of you people. Um, the second thing is we're going to have a brand new website that's going to be ready very yeah. soon. We've got a, a top developer on that. Again, funded by you guys, which is absolutely fantastic. I'm excited by some of the bits and pieces on that. Me and X have been designing the content. That's going to be a brand new refresh. And that's also going to be the go-to place for everything West Ham Way. So you'll be able to hear the podcast there, event details, weekly columns from X, potentially weekly columns from me if people will be interested. They will, mate. Uh, and there's going to be a, an online shop. I mean, there's so much... Uh, potential in it and and you know you really can take that places so again that's funded by you guys and I think from a personal level the most exciting thing for me annex because it means that we get to go out of this current sweat box of a, of a small office um, is that we are going to be building uh, something in the garden to accommodate the podcast mm. so we will have that kind of dedicated space to do what we're doing now and again that's funded by you so I keep going back to the West Ham family um, it's a testament to that really people mm. just looking out for us and I think this has shown how much we mean to people and we just want people to know out there and we've tried to get round to as many individuals as possible just how much you lot mean to us because not just for the financial um, part that you've played with us but also the support with the podcast and the events and just backing us every day like they do so we, we just can't thank you enough and like X says the donations are still coming in every penny is going towards something the link is still open so if you want to contribute brilliant if you don't not a problem um, to put this in so thank you very much yeah to put this into sort of the practical sense of it right so this new um I would say studio but building in the garden that we're going to have the podcast in this has enabled me to walk around the house without actually having to go in the house therefore not crossing any cats unless they're in the garden but there's more space to get away from them in the garden and if we have if we have if we get guests on again we won't be <laughs> embarrassed to say you've got today's bedroom where it's uh, a bit cozy we should actually be able to do it with a you know some form of um, professionalism now so yeah like you know, in all seriousness, <clears throat> you said it as perfectly as you could have. But yeah, thank you to everyone. Yeah, thank you very much. Okay, don't go anywhere because next is going to be questions from our collective followers on social media. Well, we haven't seen many razor-sharp performances from West Ham this season, but that's exactly what you will see when you buy products from Harry's. I love using this shaver. The closeness, the smoothness, the comfortable glide, the textured handle, and the quality of the shaving foam. Even the packaging is of the highest quality. Jeff and Andy, two ordinary fellas who were fed up with overpriced razors, started Harry's to fix shaving. 
Harry's knew there was only one way to ensure quality, so they bought their own factory. By taking less profit, Harry's offers great quality products for a fair price, and their amazing quality blades are almost half the price of the leading five-blade brand. Harry's Troll Set includes everything you need for a close, comfortable shave. A weighted, textured handle, five precision engineered blades with lubricating strip, rich lathering shave gel, and a travel blade cover. Get started shaving with Harry's today by claiming your Troll Set for just £3.95. All you have to do is go to www.harrys.com forward slash west. That's www.harrys.com forward slash west. Okay, as always, a big thank you to everyone who has sent their questions in, and X is going to read them out. So this is from at H underscore Gaz. Any chance the club would look at signing Shane Duffy from Brighton? Looks set to leave the club and would be solid at the bat for us. He's been um, linked with us before, hasn't he? Yeah, I've put it on the show myself. Yeah, That's why I put it on there because I thought I haven't mentioned him before. But actually, I know in the past, I, I mean, sorry, I haven't mentioned him this window, but in the past, I've mentioned him. Mm. Um, he, We've been interested in him before. The, the, at one point, I think it might have been... Might have even been in January this year, I'm trying to remember, yeah, that we were actually very close to signing him. So I'd imagine that there might be a strong chance it wouldn't surprise me. How old is he now? So that's the thing. No, I think he's about 31, something like that, mm. I think, from memory. Um, but I think he's probably the sort of thing we need, you know, we, uh, a sort of old fashioned mm. sort of centre back, you know, that's gonna sort of, you know, get his head in places that you like like a sort of ginger I'm kinda of thinking of. And also, um I think he would help uh, he would come as homegrown just from memory. He started his career at Everton. So I think he would count as a homegrown defender, which we we're, we're gonna need to keep our homegrown yeah. uh rota. Well if you're getting him on a free He's I got Premier League experience. Oh, I see uh, the contract's coming yeah, to an end at the oh, end of next season. No, he's 28. Yeah, 28. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's someone that we do kind of look at, whether he'll come or not, I don't know. It's important who his agent is as well. But, um, so sorry, yeah. when is his contract expiring? Or? I think he, I don't know when his contract's expiring, but I think it looks like he's on his, like, he wants, he hasn't been in their team for a while. I think he's just going to be sold. I see. Right, right. Um, but yeah, he's someone before, so he's someone that um, maybe we will we will look at. Mm. Um, at um, Eden Skyle One, great listeners always, y'all. Um, has the board expressed any concerns to your sources about their perception amongst the fans? If so, has the feedback given to them been honest? Reflection from negative feedback could be the first step in getting GSB to sell the club. Good question. Um, well, I would say they blatantly know because they're all on Twitter. Well, certainly. The Golds are, and obviously the Sullivan Jack is. Um, uh, Brady's on Twitter. I mean, you'd have to be very blinkered to not see all the negative feedback. Um, they called bloggers meetings with us two, three years ago, and that, and then asked our, our opinion and wanted to know how we move forward with it. Karen Brady even asked the question, I think, to us, why do I have such a bad image with West Ham fans. I seem to remember that being a, a thing and I remember I think Ryan Archer to be fair to him answered that and we sort of all kind of chipped in and stuff and we were all very honest with them and then they call in Hammers United you know before that they had um, the real West Ham fans group they've got all these supporters advisory 
um, groups that give them opinions and will tell them the things that West Ham fans are thinking, but they just don't seem to give these groups the power or the authority that they need. You know, our group, I thought, was very constructive. I mean, you were there, the things that we were saying, the points we were making, you know, the fact, you know, not to blow our own trumpets, but all of us and the other West Ham platforms that were in those meetings have a reasonably sized following so we are aware of what people are saying out there because we see the notifications and we do the polls and so on they they don't value the opinion enough they almost do it as an exercise ticking box so yeah well we consulted the fans on this and but that we're going to do this the fans or the groups or whoever it is never have the authority or the power to make it worthwhile they're forever changing the supporters groups had various forms over the years um it, they just need to make these groups, make them have power, be more accountable, be more transparent and show what's actually happening because I think they're aware that they're not particularly popular with the West Ham fans, but they don't they don't allow themselves to, to have that opinion change because they don't support the opinion of people. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's what you had. Uh, yeah, had spot on. With. Yeah, okay. I can't add to that. Okay, fair enough. Um, at Wayne O fifty seven, hi lads. How much does our transfer policy this summer hinge on whether Brentford go up? Um, a fair amount. I think, like I said, there's three players we're particularly keen on. They're winning at the moment, 2-0 as yeah. far as I, I know. So that mean they'll go into the playoff final. Obviously, if they're still in the championship, you're much more likely to be able to sign players um, from them than if they go up. Um, they have got a new stadium next year, but obviously that stadium means a lot more if they're in the Premier League. Mm. Um, Beharima has agent Will Salthouse. That's mm. often a good I like the look of him, us. you know. I've, I've looked at him a, a little bit recently. I like him a lot. There's been a lot of discussion at the club of actually who's the better one to go for, Eze or him. Now, I would go more for Eze, I think, more so because I think he's just a bit more, he's, I think he might be a bit younger, a bit more direct, a bit more pacey, maybe. Um, I mean, both of them I would take. Don't get me wrong. If we could sell Anderson and Lanzini and bring in those two, yeah. I'd be very happy. Um, but that that's, that's the situation. So, yes. I think it is a factor, definitely. Um, at Sir Hack One Two Three. Now, I think this is someone that I may have had a similar thing with Martin Gales. If I, from memory, and I might be wrong here, and I apologise to you, Steve, if I am wrong. But I think he was someone that I also thought was quite harsh and opinionated at times. But again, over the months, realised that he's actually just an honest person. Got a bit of respect for him as well. So I think it's the same guy. If it isn't, just ignore what I just said then. But, <laughs> but if it is, then top man. Um, what are the club doing about the messed up seat moves in the Bobby Moore lower and how did they manage to um, separate so many friends and family who were linked on accounts and by name mm. yeah and I, again I think you're best suited to answer that but um... I don't know the answer to be honest with you but the problem is it was a big a big mess up again mm. how can you know you put where well, it's clearly like a family or whatever because they've got the same surname yeah. and then put one at the front and then one at the back you know yeah. as if the family can go oh fair enough I'm not going to say that to my dad anymore yeah. but oh well he was a moany old git anyway like you know <laughs> he's just not going to do that are you yeah. so I think it was a bad bad call again like, I mean how many times do we see it though where something's just not been thought through properly yeah. at West Ham and how many times have we seen it when it comes to that stadium 
Exactly. I mean, these people should have been consulted beforehand. If yeah. You, they, sh- they would have known which seats are going to move and which ones aren't and so on. So they would have known who it's going to affect. They should have sent a message to every one of those supporters. And it can't be that many. Of course, you know, a 60,000 stadia, it's going to be a fair amount. But percentage-wise, it's not that many seats that are moving. If you get a mail merge letter and just basically put, you know, due to the changing of the seats, blah, 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 your seat is going to move. These, the, you will not be sitting to the, next to these people. Does that matter to you? Would you rather be here or there? And done a bit of research and consulted. They could have at least tried to sort this mm. problem out rather than just springing it on people again and like people finding out for an email. Mm. I, just, I just don't understand how a, a, an organisation that is as big as West Ham is can make so many fundamental yeah, errors. I know. I just don't get it. The mind boggles, doesn't it? Yeah. Premier I, League football club, I know. I know. A billion pound industry, yeah, mate. Yeah. It's just, I don't know. It's just appalling at times. Um, at den underscore WHU, have you ever thought about having guests from other fan groups, e.g. Hammers Chat, West Ham Fan TV on your podcast? Well, we've done that, haven't we? Yeah. I mean, we've we've had Gio, I think, we've, from uh, Hammers Chat. We well, had, we've had Ryan. We've we had, had Ryan Archer Nikki, from West Ham Fan TV. He's actually done a Nikki couple Hawkins. of shows. Nikki's been on. Yeah, um, we've had. Uh, sure, we've had been. We've uh, the real fan TV group. That's right. Yeah, we want to have a Hammers United on, but COVID happened. Yeah, they that's were right. Yeah, no, we've done it. We've, we've collaborated and and also been on their channels as well on yeah. more than one occasion. So no, that has that has happened, and we do from time to time. You know, like to get different perspectives from other fans as well. I mean, we we are actually due another fans phone in. I think the yeah, last think time we've so. done that worked really well. Yeah, uh, and it's on our to do list to to do that because it's always nice to get other opinions as well. But no, in relation to that, it's um yeah, it's something we've done. Yeah, and something like with the new website and the YouTube channel. Subscribe to that, by the way. That's really kicking on now. We've got Corey on there who's making a lot of decent content now. So yeah. West Hamway YouTube is worth subscribing to now. Um, it's it's, um, yeah, I think we will probably see more of that. Um, you know, Gio and I have been working on something at the moment. Like I said, we will come on that. But um, yeah, it's it is. Yeah, we do. And like I said, Nikki was on. I think Ryan has in was on the Paul Konchesky show, possibly, or certainly has been on a couple of shows. I think he might have been on the show. Actually, I heard it the other day when we interviewed Declan Rice. I think you weren't there. You did the interview with me. I think, but I would. But I don't think you were there in the studio. So it was certainly Ryan was there anyway yeah um, I can't remember I can't remember but we've definitely done it with them anyway Um, at Veilboy8 with Top Flight confirmed is there plans in place to add key staff i.e. more coaches scouts a recruitment team physios and continue or continue with the tin pot dinosaur way to run a football club and only go for transfers with agents they know I mean I don't ever seem to release anything along those lines today I mean I think it's acknowledged by the fan base and we're talking about whether they acknowledge that the fan base have acknowledged it in terms of their infrastructure and how the club's mapped out in comparison to other football clubs. Do you think they have genuinely acknowledged it but are just control freaks and just want to do things their own way at their own pace? Or do you think they are going to take that into account and take the club forward in that respect. I think David Sullivan feels like he got burnt by Pellegrini and his idios. I think he feels like Sanchez, Wilshire... 
um, Anderson, um, others that I'm forgetting, Roberto, you know, we're all Yarmolenko, I guess you could maybe throw into that, possibly even Allaire, you know, a jetty. All these signings that have been made were predominantly their signings. Um, and yes, they got some right, you know, Diop, probably a good signing, mm. Balbuena for the money we played wasn't a disaster. Um, so yeah, I think. I think they feel that I think he feels that they've basically been let down, and so he's. I think he's back in the game now, and I think he was delighted for the opportunity to have an excuse to be back in the game. Yeah, but I would imagine that transfers will be done a very similar way. Um, it links to a question coming up, but there is a way you can you can read West Ham's transfer strategy if David Sullivan is in charge. Um, and I think it, I think it hasn't changed um, much uh, at all over the years. Um, I think we might look at getting more physios and different coaches in because it was kind of haste, hastily, if that's the right word, assembled by Moyes. But I think he's quite happy with Nevin and uh, no. Nolan um, and uh, Irvine and stuff. But I think and the youth set up. But I think we will look at a few members of staff. Um, but I would imagine it's not going to change that significantly. Mm. Um, at OC Stagger, as a relatively new listener from the States, uh, thank you for filling a lot of my quarantine time. Why does it <laughs> seem that West Ham has a history of signing large ticket players that don't produce? Well, this is a problem. We've spoke about this so many times on this podcast. And I'll say it again. The problem that we've got is to attract what West Ham class as top players that are typically fringe players at top clubs, we have to overpay because that's the only way they're going to come to West Ham. They come to West Ham for 150 grand a week rather than a, a, a top six, seven club for a hundred grand a week. And the problem is when you sign that player, what is the motivation for that player to then kick on and do well at West Ham? Mm. They're not going to compete for the title. They're not going to compete for Europe. They're probably not going to compete for a trophy. So what is this, in inverted commas, top player for 150 grand a week actually running out for week in, week out? Well, I've already answered my own question. It's the 150 grand a week. And that seems to be the constant with West Ham. Um, I don't know. You look at other players from other clubs that have joined. They seem to be playing with better players that are part of something, that are going in the right direction. And these players seem to play for trophies. But with us... We seem to be shooting for the stars before we're actually semi there ourselves. Mm. And we, again, we've said this on a podcast, I'd much rather go for a, a championship player that is chomping at the bits of playing the Premier League, that respects West Ham, is grateful for the opportunity at West Ham and will give blood, sweat and tears for the football club. Mm. And that is where we need to be focusing moving forward. Exactly, I agree. I think it's all links back to the previous question as well. That it's all down to same old strategy when it's comes to signings, sign players that are available through certain agents that are necessarily the right fit for us. Um, we've also got to look at mental um, characteristics as well as the ability to play football when we sign players as well. Um, and I think um, we. Uh, Sorry, just got a random message there. We um yeah, we need to change our strategy and like you said, start going for the likes of Boeing, mm. Eze. You know, we did a podcast at the start of lockdown where I listed eleven championship players worth looking mm. at. Every one of those would be someone and I'm not I can't claim to have expert football knowledge, but I know enough about championship football and enough about players that are performing to be able to put eleven players there. Most people could do that. 
look at those players, I mm. would say now. Um, this is at Almo underscore nine. And from memory, I used to work with his wife. Um, and um, yeah, she's a lovely lady. Don't work with her anymore. Um, sent her sector. <laughs> no, that's not the case. She's very good at what she does. Um, and uh, yeah, really nice person. So if, if you again, if you're the right person, please send on my wishes and, and I hope she's doing well. Um, the question, do you know how long it is before the owners could sell up without having to pay out to anyone, i.e. the government or the local council? Cheers, great show as always. There is something about that and I'm sure there's yeah. some legs to do with this. I've heard some whispers... About this before. I'm Do you know not, anything definitive on this? I'm not an expert on this. When it comes to financial matters and stuff, I'll be honest, I'm not overly interested in it. I know that sounds awful, but I obviously am interested in when we can sell the club. But the actual figures, I tend to forget these. But Sean Wetson, very good at this sort of stuff, because obviously yeah. he gets the figures directly from those that it concerns. But um, he, um, I think there is some calls that they can't sell the club before. Um, a certain amount of time I might be wrong but he's certainly the person to ask on that um, because it was part of the agreement that when they took over the stadium they couldn't change the ownership or or they'd have to pay a fine of uh, something along those lines I'm pretty sure that that is in place where it should expire in the next couple of years I think but um, yeah as I say Sean is the better person to ask on mm, that mm. Um, at uh, at oh god it's hard to see at Oh, my dyslexia is really playing tricks with me on this. Sorry. At LJW2. Gosh, I hate it when it doesn't. They literally all blur into one. I can literally see his blurs. When I was expecting more of a complicated Twitter handle after that little <laughs> yeah. outburst, if I'm honest. I know. But this is literally how my dyslexia works. Those letters, because they're... L and the J look so similar. <laughs> it just lit my eyes. Just see it as what like one blur yeah, of letters. Yeah. Um, and I have to kind of squint. All right. Um, hello, Dave and X. First of all, love the show. Appreciate all that you both do for it. Last rants and all. Why do Thanks, bo- both of you think that we are the only club pleading poverty in terms of transfers? What are our owners doing differently to other clubs? Yeah, I, I really don't know. I really don't know. And I think we touched on it earlier that if there was more transparency from the owners, maybe that would go some way to get some understanding from the fans. But without that transparency, we're coming to our own conclusions. Now, obviously, some of the things that we do know is that they are billionaires. We do know that, or or supposedly know what's been doing around is they've taken out loans and earned interest on those loans. A lot of the stuff that we know or think we know is very negative Whereas if some honest, transparent facts, figures and statistics about where we are, where we're going as a football club and why we're doing what we're doing would go some way. Mm. But until that happens, I'm kind of guessing as much as he is, really. I think like one thing I actually thought I'd put in a question about it, but I haven't. I've like kind of, kind of, I must have let it slip. But about the season ticket renewals, because that's been a bit of a topic in, yeah, the, yeah. in in the news as of yesterday. Um, and obviously they've introduced that third option now that um, enables you to um, only pay a certain percentage, I think. But basically, 
that in itself is a free loan the way I see it um, yeah. because they're making everyone pay their tickets in advance and then refunding the tickets that you don't get because you're, you're in a ballot but when you do away games you don't do that do you? Away no. games if you go to the ballot you don't get a ticket you don't pay for it but if you get a ticket you pay for it so we've effectively given them a loan effectively as supporters when we're loaning money to billionaires and you yeah. know, you've got people that are struggling financially that are having to do that now I know percentage wise it's David Sullivan, David Gold needed the money and it's however many season ticket holders there are contributing but that season ticket money to a person like us I guess is a large amount of money Yeah. and to ask that earlier, I know other clubs are doing it but it would just be nice if we could do something like moving the seats or releasing the season ticket details where there isn't always this negative thing mm. every single time you know they brought in supporters groups to talk to them about it and then there's still negativity like they need to consult fans better you know fans would understand that the season is going to be different next year in terms of season ticket renewals so why not say we don't know how best to manage this yeah. you know because it's unknown to us how would you guys like us to do it there's no way the egos of those in charge would allow That's themselves the to do problem, it mate. that is the problem mm. no one is perfect and knows the answers to every single thing mm. you know it's impossible to do that so just have a bit of I don't know, humbleness, if that's the right word, and say, I don't know the answer to this. Mm. Let's try and find out and work to a solution that suits all of us yeah. and do something like that. But it's never that. It's always like, this is what we're doing. Bang, all the negativity comes, and then they change something, maybe sometimes based on the negativity. Mm. But it's never, oh, wow, they consulted us, it's gone smoothly. Mm. And I just yeah. need to respect well, yeah. peasants' opinions yeah. a lot more than they do. Well, it's one of the many reasons why there's just no relationship between yeah. us and them. It, it, and it is such an us-and-them culture at West Ham. Yeah. I don't think you could go to any football club and there'd be more of an us-and-them culture. No. You know, and, and, and it makes you sick when you look at, you know, God rest his soul, the chairman at Leicester before he lost his life. What he mm. built with the fans yeah, there. exactly. And this is from someone that was from Thailand. Exactly. No, previous no, I know. affiliation I know. to Leicester. I know. He could do it just from using a bit of common sense yeah. and business yeah. sense. I know. You know, like, it's just, it doesn't, it's, there's just small things that you can do, like consulting the fans. You know, I think that chairman that you spoke of used to give vouchers for a free pint. Yeah, you know, silly little give, things. Yeah, put a scarf on the yeah. seat. Yeah. Some games give happy clap of things. Yeah. Like, but little things. But, but, like but that. that sends the message that we're all in this together. Yeah, and you care what they think and what's exactly. wrong with them. Exactly, exactly. And, and long term, that is a better strategy. Yeah. Because if you've got a relationship with the fans, they'll buy you more time. You know, they mm. might have been more sympathetic over the cold COVID, having no money situation, had things been more transparent or there'd been a better relationship. But mm. but there just isn't. And it's sad. It really is sad to have this. I mean, unfortunately, that seems to have been the case at West Ham for ever since I've supported them. You know, you had the Icelandics, who the people liked, but they just yeah. see disaster hit them, I guess. But still, it all ended badly. Then, obviously, um, Brown didn't have a great relationship. I'm not sure the Kearns. I'm not sure how. I can't really remember them too well. No, well, from what I know, they didn't have a great yeah, relationship well, either. Bond scheme, yeah. Wasn't it? So they can't have. Um, so yeah, it just seems to be the way. I just love for us to have. You know, where is this like billionaire that is going to be able to just make West Ham fans? I know. We want one of the best fan bases in the world. Yeah, yeah I know. We can't respect that. Yeah. 
Right, this one's coming from at angry as usual. Sure, that's not your. <laughs> well, apparently, some people seem to think I am, but there's not been too much to be happy about this season, unfortunately. No, um, poor X's life would be a lot easier if people stopped <laughs> listening to bullshit transfer accounts. Here, here. Would he like to mention any rules of thumbs fans can use to distinguish <laughs> a fake news story from something that actually has legs? Well, I kind of touched upon it earlier, yeah. but a lot of the things you can tell from the accounts, okay, so low follow. Followers and followings is is often one. They they will have a random picture that looks like it's a professional picture, but it isn't. All you have to do is a Google search and you can find it something random. They'll ne- they often won't follow me because they want it to look like they're not looking at other sources. Um, so that's that's something. Um, they will never say some a new name that's not already out there so they'll still never break a, a name it will always be something like because Eze has been well talked about for example it will be West Ham are moving closer with Eze or with a Jetta Celtic are keen on him but he's not sure which is what I've said but they'll basically say it a slight twist on it so they might say he's unhappy because his missus doesn't want to move to Edinburgh for example so they'll put uh, from to Glasgow sorry so they'll put like a slight a slight slant on it then they'll start preempting things so they'll start saying moving closer da, 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 da. because the key thing to look at as well is also the start date of these accounts now most of them start the minute the transfer window opens so mm. what the hell were all their sources doing two weeks beforehand transfers don't suddenly go right bang let's start happening now there's a lot of things that build up to transfers you know mm. um, so why do these accounts suddenly start in July why can they never tell you anything about anything else in the club some of my information comes from agents quite a lot of my information comes from agents you know so they were and it's and it's not just transfers it will be because their clients have told them something so i might hear that a player is injured because an agent will tell me that they're injured so these accounts would have other other news other than just transfers um i think they always um they never sort of reveal who they are now I know that's hypocritical because I don't do that, but I'm a lot more accountable now than I ever used mm. to be. Hugh Southern, Sean Wetson, whatever you may think of them, you know who they are. They put their name and their face to, to, to things. Um, I never used to. Mine's more now because I don't like, you know, like the attention mm. of it type thing. Whereas these people, if they're genuine, they could say at least who they work for or something about them, you know, but they don't. Um, and, Generally, you can tell by the accounts that follow them. So often they'll have football Twitter accounts. These like young lads, you know, the ones that have done awful things to Isla this week, mm. said some horrific things about me and you and other people. Mm-hmm. I, I just, it makes me just think, what on earth is this generation doing really? But they'll all follow those accounts as well and they try and big them up. It's, it's very easy. Also, look at who the agents are with West Ham. If their agent, if you can find out who the agent is of the player if it's an agent we like then there's probably some truth if it's Mm. not then there probably isn't you know look at connections to the club there's ways you can genuinely tell if something's without even having to ask anyone more often than not 
my hunch, if that's the right word, on a transfer without doing any research is right mm. because I know how West Ham work and how mm. they've worked in the past. I can generally reasonably accurately tell you if something's true or not without doing any research at all. Yeah. Um, and then, but obviously, I back it up with research so that I'm not wrong. But you can. It's things like team news you can't get wrong. You know, I every week I say there is two changes to the team. Mm. There is one change to the team. There is three changes. One is a, is um you know a new player that's coming that's not played before. That's specific news that you have to get from a source. Anything where you just say um something that's already out there, like you you could you could do it. You could say like I don't know. You could turn around and say uh, one of your things. Um, I'm an ITK because I think um who should I pick? Lanzini is unhappy at West Ham. He wants a move. That doesn't take anything. You could guess yeah. that because he's not been playing for West Ham. Yeah. So it's things like specific news that is factually correct and cannot be subject to debate is what shows if someone's genuine or not. Mm, mm. So there you go. And without um, finishing on a serious note like that, I think this guy asked the favourite animal, one which you rudely <laughs> took out last time. So I'm going to give him It's because a... we spent eight fucking minutes talking about monkeys wanking themselves off. I, it, and that listen, was why they were your favourite animal. <laughs> that's that's yeah, the important They're not thing. actually, they're not. But yeah, no, listen, if that's what people want, to talk about, you know, they were on a West Ham podcast or about monkeys fucking wanking themselves off, then fit it into next week, maybe. I don't know. You were the one that brought that up. You're making it as if you're disgusted that that concept came up. You, you were you, the one that brought it up. You were the one that brought up wanking monkeys. I, I had no idea. I was talking about favourite animals. You know, I was talking about dogs and dolphins and innocent things like that. And you said, I quite like going to the zoo to watch a monkey. But no, no, no. I, no, that, no, hang on a minute. Hang on a fucking minute. That is. One hell of a misquote, that is. No, I said, I think it's funny when you go to a zoo and you'll see a monkey sitting there wanking itself off. That was the actual quote. Fucking ain't having that against me, no. no I like go to go to the zoo to watch monkeys wank themselves off. You realise what you just said there? <laughs> I love the idea of you calling up a zoo now. Um, I was just wondering if you could tell me. Yeah, um, yeah. Have you got any monkeys? <laughs> How many monkeys do you have in at the moment? Yeah. And do, more importantly, do they wait? Yeah. <laughs> and the woman's like, well, funny you should say that, sir. Oh, right, I'm there. Sign me up, sir. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. Please keep this bit in. Don't no, it'll stay. It'll stay. Okay, that's right, because it was only fucking 80 seconds as opposed to eight minutes. But yeah, that's right. Animal? Animals you like to see wanking up. <laughs> can other animals wank off? That's an interesting Well, I don't, yeah, no, I, I mean. Dogs can. can they? Well, they hump, don't they? That's the equivalent. Yeah, I've never seen a dog sit there and have a wank, to be honest <laughs> with you. And then light up a fag after <laughs> on a bag. Yeah, no, no, no. No, I've never seen that in a dog. I mean, I've got to be honest with you, I don't actively go out looking for wanking animals, but <laughs> I just think it's quite a common thing you see on viral videos on the internet. Where you know you you see monkeys do what they're doing, and um, I just think it's funny. But no, I mean before it took that really dark twist, we were talking about you know because what I I absolutely adore animals. I think you like animals. I like animals you don't yeah. often have much nice things to say about no, animals, and also, especially drama. mine. Because I draw. Um, no, but I like, um, I like your dog. I, yeah, I don't yeah, want when he's yeah. humping my leg. Yeah. But he stopped doing that. Now. <laughs> he's got off me. Well, you never called him after you no, left. So sure, I'm getting older. Yeah. But, um, yeah, no, I, 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 I like dog. Dog. I'm a. I, I love dogs. Yeah. I grew up with dogs, yeah. so I like dogs. Me too, yeah. I like 
sort of dolphins I swam with them they're quite cool I like yeah. sharks from a distance I like to look at <laughs> from like, a distance you know I like monkeys gorillas they're interesting <laughs> especially wanky ones um, I like you know I find things like snakes and poisonous spiders interesting I wouldn't want to have one as a pet but yeah, from a yeah. distance I like tigers I think they're very beautiful um, yeah but yeah in terms of pets the only pet I would really entertain even though I have got fish so but apologies to, to you lads um, I'm sure they're listening <laughs> right now but uh, uh, I'm not a great fan of many pets the only pet I would really like is a dog quite like tortoises right. yeah I mean the thing is uh, I, I do love my cats so they're like part of the family but I mean I've had them for 15 years and it yeah. is also a bit of a representation of me and my wife getting our first flat together and a big part of our history would I get cats again no yeah too I, I, I love I love dogs but to be honest with you I am I'm animal mad yeah. I, I think they're better than humans to be honest I don't think we deserve animals on this planet mm. and I really do believe that uh, so yeah uh, I, I am animal mad but not specifically just to sit there and watch monkeys wank there's a lot more to animals than that and I think they've got a lot more to give than that as well I was going to say you just painted them as the best things in the world yet we've established you like to watch monkeys wank absolutely no way have we established I like to sit there and watch monkeys wank I'm really concerned about the, the amount of twisting of words that's just going on here can I also clarify just one fuck, thing you know all the gifts are coming on Twitter now this will go on for months now all because of you you fucking twisting my words. <laughs> Can I also clarify where you watch these like monkeys wanking? You said you watched them on the internet. It's not as if there's some sort of weird dogging monkey wanking club out there that you can sign up to on the dark web. Do you know what I mean? And fucking hell. I'm only saying you see it on You've Been Framed, didn't you? Kiddies going up to you've the glass and oh, fuck, I'm throwing kids into it now. What you've been framed, you watch. That's a, that's a family show. Yeah, but you go there and you get young, innocent families looking for the glass and suddenly you'll see a monkey wanking itself off. Oh, yeah, of course you will. It's, no, not, it's you nature. No, it's no, nature. No, it's not pornographic, is it? To see, you know, a monkey. Do- <laughs> We're spending so much time talking about monkeys doing this. It's unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> if this gets edited I'm going to be so annoyed so what I won't edit it and then I know for a fact I'm going to fucking wish to God I did <laughs> Jesus Christ do you, know the, do you know the amount of people that still talk to about Code Red to this day mate it's, the, thing, the thing is though like they, they all have the funny side of the story I had to witness yeah. that and smell that like you know and the, and the thing is like without like you know saying too much I think I got the blame for it yeah. When I was nothing to do with it, there's like a lot of our incidents in our life. It's you, and I take the bloody flag for it. Oh, I'll tell you what, mate. When all's when all's said and done, I mean, we we have got some really funny stories. A lot of which we can't share. Well, I was sharing a few. If I told you a couple of West Ham accounts last night, yeah, yeah. I was thinking this is just crime even started. No, it's stories. amazing, really. And, and we've only sort of known each other three or four, well, four yeah, years, is it something like that? Um, but one day, when the time's right, I think there's certain stories. I mean, the one where you threw up in someone's house, <laughs> I think he's absolutely brilliant. And I right, think a lot of people... last night. Did you? A few West Ham yeah, I mean, that's so funny. I mean, so many fans would love to I hear that one. But... That and I just, so many fans would be pleased. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. I look back on that and I think, did that actually happen? Seriously, that's so surreal. Like, the whole build-up oh, to God, it. It's just unbelievable. And yeah. I mean, there are so many stories. So many stories. One day, who knows, when, you know, a few years down the line, we can put it into a book, maybe. Yeah, I don't so know. Books, so there's some funny ones in there that's for sure but yeah. uh 
Well, None it's... with um, animals wanking themselves off, by the way. <laughs> that is off the cuff. Yeah, Pardon the pun, conversation. Yeah. <laughs> um, then, well, the question actually was from Elliot <laughs> The question actually was. <laughs> Elliot underscore Ching, who is pro- pro- I think he's trying to be funny, but it was, somehow he is. Because each question he asked, oh, it was so random, I put it in just for a bit of diversity. <laughs> but um, what's your favourite movie? Uh, monkey wanking. Yeah. <laughs> 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 fucking monkey spunk fucking <laughs> part one um, uh, yeah I, I, I think primatism yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I think I'd have to throw in a few cliches Shawshank Redemption yeah, Pulp film. Fiction yeah, uh, Reservoir Dogs I'm a big yeah. Tarantino fan yeah. um, I uh, I love Chopper actually Chopper. yeah I've which sounds like that. a porno film doesn't it, it? Uh, no it's um, it's about Mark Brandon Reed it's, it's a real life um, film about uh, an Australian gangster and uh, he's just a very funny character and the film itself is really good so I recommend that Rise of the Foot Soldier a film you've actually been in yeah well I was in two yeah. I was in Rise of the Foot Soldier too because obviously Colton Leach is a, a, a really close friend of mine uh, so, but I love Rise of the Foot Soldier 1 I thought that was the best of the series I thought that was really good I mean I, I love a good film I really do and there are so many out there See, I tend to like films um, with a bit of a sounds like sounds really geeky. Actually, like a historical um, like like face to them. Um, so, like I like, I find World War Two interesting. Yeah, um, so yeah. I liked you know Saving Private. Yeah, that's Private. a great film. Um, I liked um, uh, uh, Dunkirk. Um, I watched. I'm not seen that. 1917, which I know is the first World War the other day. That was quite good. Um, I like Gladiator. I know it's not the Second World War, but that's still historical. That's a great film. Um, I like uh, those sorts of films. Just I tend to sort of like them. They've got some kind of real lifeness to them. Like. Um, I've quite liked. I watched Rocket Man the other day. Now I wouldn't say it was the greatest film I've ever watched, but it was still quite. It was still worth watching, and I, the yeah. Queen one was good as well. I was going to say Queen better than Rhapsody. the Bibles. That was a Close. good film. What I didn't like about Rocket Man is that it had. It was a little bit like a musical at times. Like they start to hate musicals where yeah, they just randomly yeah. start singing. Yeah, and it's stuff. boring, isn't it? Yeah, I just think, oh, sharp. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, you know. Probably not what Elton was looking for <laughs> no, in exactly. terms of the feedback when he no, put exactly. that in there. But... but yeah, so things like that. But yeah, like it's um, there's loads of films like where where you start. You could do like your favorite like horror film, your favorite war film, your favorite gangster film. You know, you can't look past like The Godfather or you know. Those yeah, I mean, I love films. Scarface. That yeah, for me is right up there. Yeah. Goodfellas, brilliant. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I I do love all the gangster stuff. I do like, you know, some comedies as well. To be honest, I mean, there, there are so many. If you, if you like your films and you ask anyone that question, they'd probably just reel off 10 to 15 off the top of their head and miss 20, 30 they could list. It's one yeah. of them, isn't it? If you, you know, it's, there's so many out there. Yeah, and I wouldn't say I'm a massive film connoisseur. Like, when it comes to quizzes and the film round comes up, I know I'm not going to do that well, isn't it? Because yeah. I just don't have the time. Like, we've with the family and the fact I spend so much time watching football, like I just really don't have much time to actually um, watch films. Um, so, yeah, I, I wouldn't say I've got the best knowledge. Like, you know, I hadn't watched Harry Potter until about 
two, three weeks ago in lockdown. Yeah. I thought I've got to actually. I still ain't seen it. Really? Yeah. So I literally People tell me I'm mad. But... Well, I literally watched one just to say that I'd actually watched one, and I tried to watch the second one, and I fell asleep in it, not because of the film, but because yeah. I was tired and never went back to it. Uh, and um, yeah, so there's feel there's, but then like, but then there's some classic movies in like the eighties. Like I could watch loads like Ghostbusters. Yeah, eighties was such a good era. I loved yeah, it. Back to the Future, yeah. the Goonies, E. T. Yeah, yeah, and even like the Wanderers. Yeah, uh, the Warriors. Yeah, uh, I, I mean the list is endless, isn't it? Yeah. Especially if you've got a sort of variation of taste in films, which yeah. I think we probably both yeah, have definitely. by the sounds of it. But yeah. yeah, you can't beat it. Can't beat it. And that is it, mate. Good. Okay, right. Well, that is the end of the show. As X said, as always, thanks for listening. Thanks for giving us your questions. We're away next week, but in our place will be a classic show from the West Ham Way archives. So look after yourselves. Be lucky. And until next week, come Good on, you irons. Finding the right person for the job isn't easy. Just ask someone who hired a stuntman to do their home renovations. Just finished the new sunroom, Mrs. C. The best part is I used candy glass for all the windows. So you can do this. And this. Doesn't hurt a bit either. But if you've got an insurance question, you can always count on your local GEICO agent. They can bundle your policies, which could save you hundreds. And if you don't want to take the long way to the kitchen, the walls are breakaway too. See? For expert help with all your insurance needs, visit geico.com slash local today. It's Macy's Labor Day sale, so gear up as summer cools down with 30% off timeless looks from Levi's and specials like 30 to 50% off statement making shoes for her and 60% off luggage from Samsonite and more. Or use your coupon or Macy's card and get an extra 20% off more great deals. Plus, Star Rewards members can earn rewards even faster during Macy's Star Money bonus days. Going on now. Savings off regular sale and clearance prices. Exclusions apply. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.